Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Black Room discussing the 2011 horror comedy, The Cabin in the Woods. This film was directed by Drew Goddard and written by Goddard and Joss Whedon. With the script that Goddard and Whedon were able to write in just three days, this film takes a very unique look at the traditional Cabin in the Woods story. The Cabin in the Woods plays with horror film tropes while introducing a cheeky spin to the genre. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show Nisa Hunter, Megan McCollum, and Andrew Gelsomino. We so appreciate their support and their suggestions. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Megan. And thank you, Andrew. So, what did you guys think about The Cabin in the Woods the first time you saw it? I remember your sister showing me this movie and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but watching it this time... Again, and like I said, I think I had the problem like when I watched Jennifer's Body as a serious horror movie and that <laughs> horror, horror comedy. I was like, oh, all right. So watching this now, not as a, like a, uh, of course, it's a horror movie, but it's horror comedy. Watching it the way it's supposed to be, I enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> Good. So I, Do we have to prime you? <laughs> well, it, <laughs> Tell you the what thing is, is, like we had talked a little earlier before the show, but it's it's filmed like a serious horror movie. And it is. So it's like, I'm like, do I, am I serious now? Or am I playing? Or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, am I allowed to laugh? Or do I not laugh? But this movie, there's a lot of shit. So it's like, <laughs> all right. It's like, I, I see, I see what's happening. I think when it comes to horror comedy, I think uh, they tend to lean on one side more than the other right more often than for not. sure yeah even behind the mask mm-hmm. which we loved and right. talked about uh definitely lean more on the comedy side mm-hmm. yes tucker and dale more right. on the comedy, comedy side yeah i feel like this the horror in this film is shot like horror no yeah it is. and so it's it's an interesting take i do want to point out that to me i i probably should answer your question first the first time <laughs> <laughs> I loved it the first time I saw it. I am very interested to hear what you didn't like the first time mm-hmm. that you liked the second time. All right. But um, I actually saw this in the movie theater with an old friend of mine, like when it came out. Mm-hmm. It was all based on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like I had heard different things on social media, basically go in blind, don't read anything about it, and you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And holy shit did i enjoy it (laughs) like it was i don't know it was just so smart i know i just brought up behind the mask but when you're thinking about like not only subverting horror tropes in the genre Mm -hmm. but also deconstructing it you're like well yeah scream behind the mask they've already done it what other way could you do it yeah they fucking found a way they did Mm -hmm. i just i can't believe this was written in three days that Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm like, what the fuck? I'm gonna be honest, that infuriates me. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. Thinking about it, I can kind of see that now. <laughs> I can. Well, the movie's short, right? And it's kind of like, damn. And they fit a lot of shit in there. Yeah. Um, when we were getting ready to prepare for this, and I didn't answer my own question, but I will in a second. But um, we don't we follow were, the format <laughs> on this show. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> When we were preparing for this, I was surprised that it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. Because I feel like when you think about all the shit that happens in this movie, you're Mm -hmm. thinking two hours easy. It's so packed. Yeah. Yeah. And so watching it, I'm like, oh, that's how it's an hour and a half because they don't waste one minute. No. No. Like this was a hard script to put together because it is packed. 
like from start to finish. Everything you see means something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then that's why like the rewatchability, even when you know, you know, the ending or what's gonna happen, I feel like when you rewatch it, there's so much stuff that you're like, Oh, that's what that yeah, was. Or yeah. like, it just it's it's fun. But uh the first time I saw this was uh <laughs> because you told me to, T. That's why oh, I was that it? it. Yeah. And um huh. I don't I can't did we see it at the movies? together I, hey if i saw it twice that's possible i'm not gonna i feel like we may have because i know i i saw it and then i made john paul watch it when it came out and he was like that was fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> well it, again i went in expecting and for anybody that doesn't know i will say it this way to make it easier i was expecting halloween mm. like that like that serious right not like, like straight horror right yeah so what like the same thing with jennifer's body when i watched it i was like this has this is straight horror yeah but it's not so that's why it confused me and i was like this is what the fuck is this <laughs> i've i've been thinking a lot about it and how you wrestle with these uh satirical like right. tongue-in-cheek <laughs> kind of movies and i think you your horror comedy like touchstone is like scary movie where it is very overtly funny. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess because like Killer Clowns is a horror movie, right. but it's funny and it's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Silly. Is, Not tomatoes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. It's about Killer Tomatoes, but like, it's a horror movie. I regret movie. to right. inform you, yeah. it is. Yeah. But, Plot twist. But I, I guess I, I I guess you're right because growing up with movies like that and uh, uh, Toxic Avenger and whatever, they are silly. So to me, when you say horror comedy, that's what that's I think. That's what you're expecting. I'm yeah. expecting a horror comedy. Mm -hmm. When you show me a horror movie that throws humor in here and there, it's like, do I laugh <laughs> at it? Or am I supposed to be, you know, am I supposed to be happy that this dude is dead and laugh at him? <laughs> be happy. Or am I supposed to be like, oh shit, he got got. You I, know what I mean? I think you need to follow <laughs> Jigsaw's advice and just follow, follow your heart. <laughs> Oh, we can't do that. Whatever you're, no. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Oh god, I my thing about it is it, it it always surprises me because when we think of these horror movies that have the comedy elements in them, right? It seems like you like them the least, but you like comedies more than anyone at the table. You do well. I feel like again, like I said, if you're now, forgive me, Travis and Nisa. I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> so to me, it's kind of like watching porn or softcore porn. <laughs> So, I mean, one is like what, you know what I mean? It's like the soft version of it. And the other one is comedy. It's all the way, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. So I don't want to watch soft comedy if I like all the way comedy. So if you're going to make it horror comedy, then just make it the best of both. I'm, I'm I, I just, <laughs> just want to so, say I appreciate you apologizing to our parents. Okay. Well, I know they listen and yes. I love them. <laughs> I... Out of anything that could have came out of your mouth, that's not what no. I was expecting. But I will give you props for somehow making that analogy work. But do you, you, <laughs> do you understand what I'm do saying? Do you understand? Yes. The funny thing is that the simile makes perfect sense. <laughs> 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 uh, now, before we lower this film's cognition, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's get this party started. So the opening credits start and through what looks like blood, we see drawings of things involving what looks to be human sacrifice. 
Mm-hmm. They start you off early. Yeah. <laughs> Tease and shit. There's, you spend a lot of this movie not wondering, or not wondering. No, yes, wondering. Wondering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wondering what the fuck's going on. I think it's admirable because a lot of times, and they talked about it on the commentary, the studio was like, no, they can't be confused ever. They're like, well, how the fuck are we supposed to have a movie? Yeah. They have to be. I also read that Goddard and Whedon wanted this little snippet at the beginning they wanted people to think that they had accidentally walked into the wrong movie that's not surprising <laughs> yeah, really, you're like uh okay also i just want to address the elephant in the room and we know that joss whedon is a piece of shit yeah okay. i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna bring back my perez hilton from last week and call him <laughs> say, <laughs> say joss whedon's a scumbag piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way up top. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> now that we're past it, now that we're past it, I do have a fun fact though. Hmm. Drew Goddard said that that obviously it's not real blood, but it's, it's not. <laughs> it appeared CG like to me. Mm-hmm. It's melted chocolate. It's real. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it did look CG. I thought it was it not did. real. It looked mm. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Now I just want to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> But this abruptly cuts to a break room and Sitterson, played by Richard Jenkins and Hadley, played by Bradley Whitford, are talking while Sitterson gets his coffee. I just want these <laughs> two men. I They're fucking phenomenal. Yeah, they're like, honestly, <laughs> their performances are brilliant. Is that too far to so say? Good. I feel bad because I genuinely care more about them than our main cast. I mean, <laughs> I mean, is that bad? No, it's not. Because they, I don't know, they embody these dudes so well and they're so funny. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I just love, I love them. They're just great actors. And the chemistry. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) Hadley has apparently started fertility treatments with his wife and is upset that she's already baby proofing their house. They walk down a hall of a like a huge facility and Hadley's concerned that she's jinxing them and this will cause her to not get pregnant. But also it takes too long to get his beer now. Because <laughs> at first I was like, oh, I get it, dude. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all about the. But suddenly Lynn, played by Amy Acker, interrupts them to inform that Sweden has gone south. She says she doesn't have any footage yet, but the word is going around. Sitterson is surprised, but Hadley isn't, declaring that, quote, you can never trust the Swedes. Now, there are going to be a lot of references to various horror properties. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, for me, it started early because I was like, is this a reference to the thing? Whenever oh, uh, shit. McCready was always talking shit about the Swedes. Yeah. Oh, all right. All I didn't right. even put that together. So I was wondering, but it might not be. They just might both hate Swedish people. (laughs) I guarantee you it was. But Lynn says that this means it's between just us and Japan now. Sitterson says that Japan has the perfect record, but Lynn seems concerned about a glitch, and they tell her that that hasn't happened since 1998, but Lynn is still concerned. I saw a video from Good Bad Flicks. Mm -hmm. Great work. They do great work. Yeah. But their assumption of the whole haven't had a glitch since 98, Mm -hmm. the faculty... If you think about it, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've seen the faculty, you'll know you know how it ends. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. <laughs> That's really good. I don't remember that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll we just have to, to cover we it. Need, I was gonna say we need to cover that one. I fucking love the faculty. <laughs> Me too. 
But as he and Hadley get into a cart, Sitterson asks if that means that she didn't participate in the betting pool because it's good money. Hadley suddenly remembers that that glitch in 1998 was caused by the Kim department. And uh, what department does Lynn work in again? Fucking jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he takes off in the cart, just leaving her behind. As he drives away, Hadley asks Sitterson to come over so they can liberate his cabinets. <laughs> Sitterson is just fiddling with this cup, causing Hadley to be like, are you even listening to me? <laughs> and then suddenly everything freezes and we're slapped with a huge red title card, The Cabin in the Woods. Massive jump scare. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, like, shit. oh, shit. But I literally remember thinking, and it's funny you said that about the two of them wanting this. The second that this scene concluded and mm. you saw the title... I was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what am I watching? Like, I was so confused. <laughs> I think that's what's so important about going in blind to films. For sure. Mm-hmm. You get surprised by them. Yeah. I I was I was like, what what does this have to do with the cabin? Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's a we, futuristic yeah. cabin. <laughs> but we do find out. Um, but yeah, I was like, all right, I see the humor now. I was going to say, because it's like, already is, funny. Yeah, I was like, this is already... Instead of me being like, what are you guys talking about? Just angry. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> cabinets. I, yeah. Because <laughs> he was. He was mad. Uh-huh. He was mad. It's like, is this the cabinets in the woods? Or? <laughs> <laughs> but this was uh, this was a great opening. Yes. I enjoyed Definitely it a lot. Definitely agree. But we cut to an apartment. Dana, played by Kristen Connolly, is packing a bag in her underwear. She looks somber as she picks up her sketchbook and flips to a sketch of a man wearing glasses. Over her shoulder, Jules, played by Anna Hutchison, identifies the man in the drawing as Professor Fuckwad. <laughs> is, that his, is that his Christian name? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was wondering if this drawing bit was a reference to Alice. Friday, yeah, Friday, the, Friday 13th. the 13th. I was thinking the same thing. I was because, I mean, they dropped that but very fast. Yeah. <laughs> because this also never comes up again. Not again. <laughs> But Jules asks why Dana hasn't put that picture on a dartboard. And when Dana turns around to explain herself, she's taken aback by Jules's hair. She's blonde. Dana says that Kurt's going to freak out. But Jules says Kurt will thank her. And so will Dana when they're finally burning this picture. She rips it out of the sketchbook and runs to the closet, ripping it up. But Dana chases her, admitting that she's not ready. She takes the pieces away and says that it wasn't the professor's fault. So right away, I'm like, gross. Yeah, Yeah. pretty nasty. So Jules asked for clarification. What wasn't his fault? Sleeping with his student or dumping her in an email? Okay, I already have a problem. <laughs> God damn. I'm like a tenured professor or not. That's a paper trail. <laughs> like you better handle these breakups like fucking a spy getting an assignment on a bench. Oh, Off man. the grid. Like sliding you a manila envelope. <laughs> We're over. What? And then it's, <laughs> it's self-destructs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or how about don't date your students I, yeah. i'm gonna go with that it's one. probably these are your yeah. two options i go with the not doing yeah it. don't be fucking yeah mm-hmm. but dana says that she knew what she was getting into jules produces a bikini and says this weekend this is what jules is getting into there's also this situation of her being set up with kurt's cute friend holden dana demands that it not be treated as a setup and jules promises that she won't push but they're definitely packing the bikini To make room, she takes two textbooks out of Dana's bag, saying they'll be at the lake so there will be no learning for her. In all fairness, uh, leave the homework at home. (laughs) I I will just cram the night before or whatever when we get back. (laughs) No, but you see in a second why she's taking them. I know, but (laughs) still. But this is when Kurt, played by Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, comes in with his football. 
He tosses it toward them, telling them to think fast, but it soars right between both of them and out the window. Outside, Holden, played by Jesse Williams, catches the football, nearly getting hit by a car as he does so. And like nobody seems to care. (laughs) Well, the driver cared. Yeah, Yeah, he was not happy. When Dana identifies him as Holden, Kurt tells her that he's a sweet guy. And Jules is like, yeah, and he's good with his hands. It's like, all right. (laughs) Calm down. I do want to say again, the horror film references in keeping with most horror films. All of our college aged actors are mostly in their late 20s. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just want to point that out. They got to be. They have to be. Kurt then acknowledges that Jules is a lot blonder than the girl he's been seeing, then pretends to get sidetracked and angrily demands to know where she got those textbooks from. Jules is like, from you, okay? I learned it from watching you, and runs out of the room as Kurt laughs. He tells Dana that Bennett, who I guess is Professor Fuckwad, Mm -hmm. teaches the entire book that she had packed to his class. He returns it to her shelf and gives her one that the professor doesn't know as well, so she'll seem insightful. Okay, I just want to point out, he's pulling books from her shelf and telling her to read them? Yeah. What that? What's that? (laughs) What that? What that? I was so flabbergasted I couldn't even speak. (laughs) Love this dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. And this is something that's very important on your second watch and on. Right. Yes. Pay attention to how these characters act. Yes. Right now. Mm -hmm. And then compare and contrast. Yes. It's unbelievable. But yeah, and that's something to point out without giving anything away. A lot, I'll say all of the main, I guess, five mm-hmm. play two different characters, basically. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it, just the acting in this is really, it's just, it's it's great. How do you write this in three days? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. I actually want to know. <laughs> they were really high. <laughs> they were something. It well, could, I could, mean. It could solve a lot of problems for me. Yeah. <laughs> But Kurt then takes this opportunity to point out that she has no pants on. And we pan out because I forgot she was in her underwear. Yeah. <laughs> she was literally dancing in the window. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> but then he just leaves. But we cut to outside. And as Kurt carries Jules's bags to his RV, we meet Marty, played by Fran Kranz, who is openly smoking out of a huge bong as he pulls up in his car. No, that that was great. <laughs> <laughs> But they scold him, saying they want to go to Kurt's cousin's cabin, not him spend the weekend in jail. But Marty says it's a statistical fact that the cops will never pull over a man with a huge bong because he'll bind them with ancient logics. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to respectfully disagree. (laughs) But I will say two things. Number one. On the funny side, they really should have marketed that bong because I think they'd clean up. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. uh, Okay. The second thing is really pay attention to some of the shit that Marty says. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because... Kind of everything that Marty says. Yeah. My first watch of this film, I was like, oh, he's just a stoner. Uh Uh-huh. He's got some conspiracies. (laughs) (laughs) But he's bringing the ruckus, man. He is. Like Leon from Curb. (laughs) He brings the ruckus. (laughs) This is, you know what I mean, more believable than the guys and that Leslie Vernon when they were all, oh, 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 when they were too high to function. Yeah, yeah. they. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I will give that one leg up yeah. to this film. <laughs> but Marty just hands his bags to Jules and Kurt to carry and picks up his bong. But Kurt is like, "You're not bringing that." And I guess it's his grandfather's RV. He's got a lot of family. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you're not bringing it in there. And so Marty shrinks it down until it's literally, literally just a travel coffee mug. And they all laugh, which I read that the prototype that they made for this, yeah. I want to say, guess how much, how much it costs, but you never will. 
five thousand dollars are you fucking kidding what? me what <laughs> yeah okay so that's why they didn't market it yeah <laughs> But in the RV with Kurt behind the wheel, they all set off. Dana, Jules, Holden, Marty, and of course, Kurt. As they happily drive away, we pan up the apartment building to see a man on the roof. He speaks into his earpiece. The nest is empty. We're right on time. So again. Yeah. <laughs> the, fuck? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny to me because before that happened, you're like, well, this is pretty formulaic right. well yes yeah. absolutely you know? yeah. yeah and you have those moments and you're like maybe i don't know what's going on well yeah, yeah because i mean y- you meet these characters and you're very you're in a comfortable space yes you've seen this before yeah. you know you what know i mean the group and yeah. so when you pan up and there's some dude watching them you're like what and then we just saw this at the facility. Like, yeah. what? Uh, to me, I'm like, what the hell is happening? And I have to say, we'll learn more about the facility later. Of course. The boldness to start in the facility. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a really good point. <laughs> but as he rolls a joint in the RV, because I guess he didn't get high enough. <laughs> Dude, he's rolling like 10 joints. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he was worried about the bong. This dude's got a small, like, mountain of weed right there. <laughs> yeah. well, it's not that big. But, but, but you know, and then, mountain. like you said. Yeah. He's like, I've seen bigger. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got a whole bunch of joints already rolled, and he's rolling another one. Yeah. And I, I did read, I think it was on IMDb, that, is it Fran Kranz? Mm-hmm. He went training to learn how to roll all these joints. <laughs> I love it. Like, and he's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, I learned this. We're right. doing yeah. it. From pros. Snoop Dogg right. taught me. But yeah, Kurt was upset about the bong, but he's not worried about yeah. that. In the van. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or on the RV. You got a boss. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Marty starts ranting about being off the grid for the weekend. Jules asks him if society is crumbling, but he says it's the opposite. It's binding. Every moment is being recorded and maybe society should fall apart. Again, stoner talk, right? One would think. Right. But as of now, I will call it interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Back at the facility, Sitterson and Hadley enter a secluded area after getting their IDs checked by Truman, played by Brian White. Hadley asks Truman if he's prepared for what's going to happen, and Truman tells him he's been prepped and he is prepared to hold his post. They sit in front of giant screens over control panels and on the screens are maps and they begin to zoom in on a location. I realized at this point I was like, man, if everything always goes according to plan, why do they have personal security here? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and then why is a the security guard new? Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I was shit. Like, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> He's our exposition dumps. Right. Yeah. Well, you got to explain it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they, there's a lot of high concept here. So, but that, when I realized that, I was like, "All right, so whenever he learns something, that's us learning something." Definitely, yeah. yeah. And we learn a lot. Yes, <laughs> but we cut to the RV pulling into a gas station that looks like something out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, 100 mm-hmm. percent. Kurt gets out and they lament how old the gas pumps are. I did notice that he's holding a football for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're right. Yeah. That's not... <laughs> I was like, okay. He's like, maybe we can get a quick game of catch yeah. that, But that makes me wonder when we learn stuff earlier. Exactly. I mean, excuse me, when yeah. we learn stuff later. When certain things... When stuff yeah. started getting into motion, you know. Well, wasn't that the football that he guy caught in the street? It is, but why is he holding it to get gas? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> he likes the he football, really likes okay? It. 
but despite the closed sign on the door of the gas station, Holden knocks and then just goes inside. And I don't know where they are, but I guess it's not in the South because no. I would yeah. fucking Dude, never. I remember one time we stopped somewhere and we're like, would we be safe to go in there? Like we literally and we wondered. Didn't. And we didn't. And we, didn't. we kept <laughs> driving until we saw like civilization. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be doing that. I, I, there's places that we've stopped at that I am not comfortable going into with an open sign on the door. Yeah. This fucking says closed. And I was because literally seeing that I was like, why is Jesse going in? Yeah. Jesse, Jesse Holden. no. Holden. Uh, Holden. His real name is Jesse. <laughs> I we were old friends. Jesse, we go what are you doing? Yeah. No, I mean the actor. Why was the actor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have known better, yeah. to be honest. But I don't know. It's <laughs> I'm usually so good with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a human moment. Yeah, you were well, like, because I was I was afraid for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned. I think the only other time I did the mistake was calling Bill Hader Bill on one of our it episodes. <laughs> you just love Bill I just Hader. love Bill Hader. But Holden looks around inside at all the weird shit. It, there's like a jarred bird and a barrel of hooks and animal hides mm-hmm. hanging up. Was there a chicken laughing at him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But Kurt calls to him from outside, and just as he's starting to say that no one's here, a man steps in front of him, saying that he came here uninvited. This is Mordecai, played by Tim Dazarn. Holden apologizes and heads outside, but Mordecai follows him. I'd be like, go, go! <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fucking horrified. Absolutely. But he tells them that the sign on the door says that they're closed. They explain that they were just trying to buy some gas and get directions to Tillerman Road. Mordecai spits tobacco like his mouth is fucking jam-packed and he spits it like right in front of Jules yes like there's got to be some it's first of all I don't mean to alienate fans but chew tobacco is like one of the most disgusting habits (laughs) just fucking smoke a goddamn cigarette and blow blow the smoke in my face I don't care as long as I don't have to look at that fucking brown cup you're holding no we literally we live in the south obviously we live in Texas and people me and John Paul both work at a restaurant. People will come in and ask for a to-go cup to spit in while their family eats. I'd be like, you like can leave with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking, I, I think that's one of my only things that I cannot abide. Yeah. The dude cannot abide. But anyway, he explains that Tillerman Road dead ends at the old Buckner place. He starts to fill their car with gas, I guess, because nobody knew how to work yeah. that thing. <laughs> Kurt says his cousin's house is there on a lake through a mountain tunnel. And Mordecai says that's the Buckner place. There's always someone trying to unload it. He's seen many people come and go since he's been here since the war. Jules asks what war? And he's like, you know what war? (laughs) Dude, I have no idea. (laughs) No, I don't. We're in wars all the goddamn time. I I know you're elderly, but if you step again, we're going to fuck you up. You're on on notice. Yeah. The the station's really going to be closed. Yeah. yeah. In honor of your memory. But damn, he already <laughs> spit at us. Yeah. Now he's, he's now you're getting talking all shit. crazy. Well, hold on. Okay. He, he, oh, he gets crazy. He's a yeah. habitual line stepper. <laughs> Marty steps up talking shit. And when Mordecai calls him out, Marty is like, you were rude to my friend. Mordecai goes, that whore? And now Kurt yeah. is involved because he's not Ray from I Know What You Did Last Night. <laughs> <No. laughs> you got it, boss. Kurt's about to go get his hammer yeah. from the RV. <laughs> Holden steps between them, saying that they have enough gas. Mordecai says they have enough to get there, but getting back is their own concern. 
Dana puts the nozzle back in the pump and Kurt throws cash at Mordecai, just like letting it hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Marty's like, good luck with your business and continues to talk shit <laughs> as they get back in the van and take off. Mordecai watches them continuing to chew his tobacco. <laughs> he is living his life. Yes. I will Unbothered. say. Unbothered. <laughs> Marty's insult isn't that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because he said, you know, he's like, I hear the railroads coming in or whatever. And he's like, and streets paved with actual street. And then they pull <laughs> off to a street. Like yeah. it's not, if they pulled off to a dirt road, it would make sense. Yeah. Hey, they didn't come there expecting a fight. I he, guess it not. was off the cuff. Man. He's like, these bits are for smaller towns. <laughs> he's, he's really high. Oh, that's also. true. He probably thought it was dirt. Yeah. <laughs> The RV continues down the road and suddenly they're on a mountain road with the drop like right next to them. I I could never. We're finding yeah. an alternate route. Yes. The RV goes into a tunnel, but we stay outside. We see what appears to be like, I don't know, um, the mountain. It looks like a canyon mm-hmm. or something that the tunnel is in. I don't and go outside. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's something nature-y. Um, but a bird flies by and it seems like this beautiful nature shot until the bird slams into an invisible barrier. The barrier briefly becomes visible and sparks fly as the bird drops. If I if I may, just for one second. Please. Not to like uh, spoil anything when it comes to ratings or anything like that. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one piece I hate so much <laughs> my my note in here is literally thanks i hate it yeah because no joke like and i don't mean to be hyperbolic or anything but this might be one of the worst decisions any filmmaker has ever made <laughs> <laughs> but in, well, in thank all, you for, for, for not being for hyperbolic things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on with the all level due respect. <laughs> with all due respect <laughs> exactly i i just for what it forecasts, <laughs> it it pisses me off so bad because no, it grossly undercuts a huge moment yeah. later. Yeah, that would have been it's impactful, but it would have been a thousand times more impactful oh, if yeah. we didn't see this. You could have done something so much smaller. Yeah, don't show a bird hitting something and falling. Show something else. Right. Yeah. Show like a just maybe a glitch, maybe just you know something in the in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No. Yeah. You like, know, kind of like a little shine or something. something. Yes. So that Where you're kind of like, like, did I? Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you have to wonder. Yeah. So it's kind of like the thing um, from the purge when the lady tells her something about the addition. Yeah. When we were like, yeah. Stop, stop, stop. Like, right, no. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing too much. <laughs> but anyway. Just as things go back to normal in regards to that barrier, we see the RV come out the other tunnel on the other side of this invisible barrier that we now know about. (laughs) Wish it didn't. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But Kurt finally pulls the RV up to a creepy looking cabin. That's literally the evil. I was going to (laughs) say. It's It's basically the cabin from the evil dead. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's a lot of nods, but this one was just like, yeah, let me copy your homework. (laughs) (laughs) They're even doing like crane shots and shit. It's very close. I did. That was one thing that is very interesting to me. I wanted to point out because there is one shot of the cabin, like from the ground up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That looks straight ripped from evil dead. I'm sure it is. But I did want to point out that the director of photography on this film was a guy called Peter Dimming. Mm -hmm. And not only did Peter Dimming do the cinematography for Mulholland Drive, which we, I love David Lynch, Mm -hmm. but he also did scream two through four. Oh shit. And he did the cinematography for evil dead Two. 
Hey. Oh, well right. then. So he's like, yeah, we use this shot yeah. back in. <laughs> so all is forgiven. Back in the right. 80s, yeah. But they get out of the RV and stare at the cabin reproachfully. While Jules worries about spiders inside, Dana cautiously walks up the steps and lets herself in. Once inside, Dana wanders around, briefly startled by the mounted head of a wolf on the wall. I didn't know that that was... I mean, I know that there's like moose heads and mm-hmm. never... Don't think I've ever seen a wolf. But I, f- I feel like that's got to be illegal. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think so. To hunt wolves? Well, I know some areas they have like problems where there's a lot. Oh, that's or true. Or even like coyotes and all that. There's a lot of them just... No, thank you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was a simple rejection right, of everything right. he was saying. You got it. <laughs> you, you got a bus. <laughs> but everyone finally comes in with their bags. Kurt and Jules are very excited about the place. Holden goes into his bedroom to find a horrifying painting of like people and dogs slaughtering and eating an animal as a silhouetted (laughs) figure watches in the background now i do have two things here one the silhouetted figure for some reason is the most terrifying part of the painting absolutely uh because he likes to watch i was gonna say he's not getting his hands dirty he's like good (laughs) he said it all excellent (laughs) but the second thing is at least room 1408 waited a little bit to get freaky yeah this cabin's just like, no, nope, all in front right. street. Right out the gate. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty cool. It was, but... The painting? Yeah. I'm not sleeping. Not in my damn house. Nope. <laughs> and and uh, Holden felt the same because he's like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And he takes the painting down to reveal a window into the next room. Dana is looking right, like toward him mm. checking her teeth and we quickly realize that this is a two-way mirror situation when he waves at her but she can't see him so is it i this always got me is it two-way mirror one-way glass one-way glass one-way mirror two-way glass what is it <laughs> is it the same shit what the the thing that's what they call it but i never know which one is correct i thought two i don't know i don't know (laughs) i've never interrogated anyone i thought a one-way mirror was the right way and two-way i you know i feel like a two-way mirror is what Candyman uses (laughs) (laughs) someone please teach us i don't know but when dana starts to unbutton her shirt holden wrestles with himself before ultimately calling out to her and knocking on the wall to get her to stop We cut to everyone standing in Holden's room, looking through the mirror and into Dana's room. Kurt goes to make sure that there are no other two or one way mirrors. (laughs) Whatever the fuck they are. Whatever the bad one is. Please help. So so that no one can see him and Jules pounding away. And Marty follows them disgusted, leaving Holden and Dana alone. Yeah, uh, Kurt, it's called showing each other the flesh. Yeah. Oh my God. That's just crass. You absolute pervert. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing that she's clearly still uncomfortable, Holden tells her that he's putting the painting back up, but he realizes that she may be more comfortable if they switched rooms. She agrees and thanks him for being decent. They start to pack up their things and switch rooms as Holden acknowledges the clear intent of Kurt and Jules to set them up. Dana quickly is like, I'm not really looking for anything, but thanks for not being a creep. (laughs) We're like, oh, damn, dude. I yeah, mean, I appreciate no. her honesty. Yeah. I but mean, she also yeah. knew that they were doing Yeah, this. I know. Holden admits that there was a major internal debate about stopping her and showing her the mirror. Blood was spilled in this internal <laughs> battle. And Dana's like, well, if you have internal bleeding, you should probably talk to Jules since she's pre-med. And it gets I, it's very yeah. awkward. I just want to say she flirts just like me. <laughs> Horribly. <Awful. laughs> so I relate to Dana now. 
<laughs> but she leaves. In her new room, she watches Holden stand directly in front of the mirror and take <laughs> off his shirt. I was like, Holden, not yeah. you know damn well. <laughs> she admires the view, herself wrestling with putting the painting back up. But when he starts to take off his pants, her decency wins over. She hangs the painting, but is so disturbed by it that she puts a blanket over it. So she's more of the softcore variety, right? Yeah. JB? yeah. <laughs> she's a scream girl. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but we pan out from her to see that she's being recorded and displayed on a monitor. Her monitor is surrounded by other monitors displaying the rest of the group in their own rooms at various camera angles. We see that Sitterson is sitting and watching these monitors and he announces to the room that it's basically go time. <laughs> Lynn comes in with reports on Jules's blood work saying her levels are good, but they're recommending a bump for her libido, suggesting they can either pipe it in or give it to her orally. Pardon Which, me? Yeah, Sitterson, of course, <laughs> was like, ooh. Yeah, Lynn needs to call HR. <laughs> <laughs> but she tells him to guess how they were able to slow down her cognition. She pulls up footage of Jules messing with her hair in a mirror and tells him it was from her hair dye. So at this point, I'm like, oh, the, it, this is the dumb blonde trope, yeah. Yeah. like actualized. She says it will work its way from her scalp to her blood gradually. Over the intercom, someone tells them that the Harbinger is calling for them online too, and he's being really pushy to the point of freaking people out. <laughs> Reluctantly, Hadley answers the phone on speaker. Mordecai is on the other end, telling him that the lambs have passed through the gate to the killing floor. <laughs> Hadley tells him he's done a great job and is like, okay, bye, but Mordecai is <laughs> not done. <laughs> Mordecai continues to wax poetic about how blind they are and to cleanse them is to cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. He starts to talk about bathing in the blood, but abruptly stops and is like, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> Hadley lies and says that he isn't, but Mordecai knows that he is. He tells him that it's very rude because he doesn't know who else is in the room. And he's right. Cause don't yeah. be doing that. That's fucked up. <laughs> Hadley pretends to take him off and Mordecai keeps going. He tells Hadley not to be foolish. This wasn't purely because of them. The fool almost derailed everything. The ancient ones see everything and they won't be. But he cuts himself off as Hadley, Sitterson and Lynn all bust out laughing as he realizes <laughs> he's still on speakerphone. <laughs> this is a moment that never meant a lot to me aside from just being really funny yeah. until I watched it for the show. And right. I, I definitely want to come back to this later. I will say on the surface level, mm -hmm. as far as the comedy concerned, this is easily my favorite bit. <laughs> so, I mean, it's so yeah. hilarious. But we cut to Holden and Dana jumping into the lake. Everyone is in their bathing suits except for Marty, who is still fully clothed. And I read that <laughs> they wouldn't let him participate in the swimming and stuff mm -hmm. because he's super ripped. I think the quote was ripped like muscular Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, this character is not that's not yeah, who this character yeah. is mm -hmm. and once you know that when you watch this this dude looks huge under those clothes yeah. i yes. never <laughs> noticed it before it's funny because he's wearing all these layers yes. yeah it's like they probably just kept adding they're like we don't want to make yeah. chris hemsworth feel <laughs> feel less than we only have one hunk and it's not you it's not marty but when Jules doesn't want to swim, Kurt throws her into the lake before jumping in himself everyone in the water is laughing and having a great time so I did want to point out this was filmed in, I believe, Vancouver. Mm -hmm. mm. And they had said on commentary that when they were filming in these woods, on like the other side of the woods, they were filming Twilight. 
what the fuck? Yeah. See, that's what? so, that's and so it's weird. It's so strange. That yeah. those even happen at the same time. Like, that doesn't even yeah. sound right. And that's the other thing about this fucking movie is that it was filmed in 2009. Yeah. And then it got shelled for two years. Damn. And so I was like, well, which Twilight was out in 2011? No, wait. It's fucking yeah. Twilight, Twilight. Oh, so fucking shit. crazy. Yeah. I never saw those movies though, so neither I did I. And it was very much something I would have been into at the time. But I was like, they look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they they were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would I would bet money out of the three of us that you're not the one yeah. who would have seen it. Well, look, <laughs> we got movies on the weekend. Uh huh. It was either stay in your cell or go watch a movie. And I'm gonna go watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we're watching uh, Twilight. That's yeah. right. I will say that. Kristen Stewart is a national treasure. She is. And Robert Pattinson as well. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah he's Batman now, isn't he? He is, yeah. Well, we are getting way <laughs> off. <laughs> is this talk morning or pod morning? I, uh, sometimes, man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but we see pictures of all of them on a screen before we cut to Sitterson standing in front of a jar of money. He tells everyone to hurry up and place their bets because the betting window is closing. Hadley laughs, telling Sitterson that one of the departments is practically giving their money away because of who they bet on. And Sitterson's like, you should talk, Aquaman. Hadley, like, <laughs> looks wounded. Yeah. <laughs> you promised you wouldn't say anything. Like, he's like... But Sitterson just turns around and continues to take bets. As Hadley suffers through a banal conversation while he's trying to take someone's bet, Lynn twirls her hair and asks Truman if he's betting. When he says he isn't, she admits that it seems harsh, but this is just everyone letting off steam because if regardless how they act, this job is not easy. Truman asks if the director knows about this and Hadley cuts in that the director doesn't care about any of this as long as these kids do what they're supposed to and everything goes smoothly upstairs. I do want to point out that I love the lighthearted nature of this uh-huh. because when you think about like people who work in hospitals, yeah, right. you have to, you yeah, have to gallows humor is not, it may come off as insensitive, mm-hmm. but how else are you going to deal with you all ha- this shit? What, like what your job is. If you don't laugh, you'll fucking go crazy. Right. Yeah. And that's regular life too, I guess. I mean, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but Truman accuses them of fixing the bets and Hadley and Sitterson set him straight. Their only job is to get those kids down into the cellar. Once in the cellar, they have to make the choice of their own free will. If they don't, then the system doesn't work. Just like the harbinger who practically tells them they're going (laughs) to die. They have to use him because of the system. The kids have to choose to ignore that harbinger and they have to choose what happens in the cellar. It's their choice because ultimately, if they don't choose to transgress, then they can't rightfully be punished. And I'm like, that's genius. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's brilliant. So good. Again, I keep saying it, but three days, like yeah. you motherfuckers. Another thing I thought of: Why did Truman take this job? Yeah, you seem real judgy, Truman. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, keep some of these thoughts to yourself. You're still in the probation period. <laughs> but Hadley tells Truman that the window is closing if he wants to place a bet. Stoneface, Truman tells him he's not betting, but Lynn sheepishly hands Hadley her betting slip. With his hands full of cash, Sitterson says, let's get this party started. Right after this, we cut to the cabin where Kurt fills up his beer and proclaims the same thing. <laughs> Jules turns on music and we follow her as she dances across the cabin. We briefly cut to <laughs> Sitterson and, <laughs> and Hadley dancing to the same music. Dude, the shot of them dancing in the lab. <laughs> it is so good. It's just so good. <laughs> Everyone in the cabin sits down with their beers, except for Marty, who just smokes his joint. 
He targets Jules for a truth or dare. Marty dares her to make out with Kurt's like, Dana, Dana. <laughs> but he goes, make out with that moose over there, pointing to what is clearly a wolf head. <laughs> He's like that door marked pirate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think a pirate, think lives, a pirate lives there? But he then states for the record that he dares her to make out with that wolf. Unfazed, Jules takes a drink of her beer and sets the scene, flirting with the wolf before finally making out with it while everyone watches in astonishment. It's pretty disgusting. It, I read it took 15 takes with this wolf. <laughs> with this wolf? Like the well, wolf right, was But the wolf wouldn't the, work. That what? fucking <laughs> yeah. of a wolf. He's like, look, I'll give you three kisses. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'll be in my trailer. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it's more funny and awkward than it is sexy, but for yeah. sure. The guys are looking at it like, I'm starting to swell up. I'm like, no. <laughs> I feel like everyone's looking at her like, what the fuck? Well, not, yeah. not fucking Kurt. Well, Kurt, yeah. Kurt is Kurt's into like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's here yeah. for all of it. Uh, how dirty and old is oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I read that to make it look dusty, but to also make it palatable for Anna Hutchison, they put powdered sugar all over it. Okay. All right. So, all right. <laughs> that would still suck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, the funny thing is that I remember doing a lot of acting in high school. And I did a little bit in college, but the first like five minutes of acting, like you feel like you're going to throw up. If yeah. I had to kiss that wolf, I'd be gagging like <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. I don't understand how actors do stuff like this. No. no. But good for her, man. Thank you. Because she did kill it. <laughs> she did. But they all applaud her when she's finished, despite the fact that they they did look appalled. Except for <laughs> Kurt, like well, you said. Holden wasn't too disgusted. I mean. He was watching. Yeah. <laughs> they were all watching. <laughs> and I got his name right this time. You did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse was watching. Mm-hmm. But. Jules sets her sights on Dana. Kurt immediately says that she's going to pick truth. If she picks dare, she's not going to want to do the dare. And then she'll be like, oh, I wanted truth all along. Offended, Dana picks dare. As soon as she does, the cellar door blows open. So first of all, evil dead. Oh, yeah. yeah for like, sure. <laughs> yes. Flat out. Right. Second of all, wasn't that a little more assholey than I thought Kurt was? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And this is a lot more ditzy than Jules has been. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, you know. Yeah. As they all go to investigate, Kurt says the wind must have blown it over. But Marty's like, that makes no sense. <laughs> Remember on <laughs> The Evil Dead when I think it was Cheryl, she said something about the reason that the door could have popped open. Mm-hmm. And Scotty's like, that's the stupidest <laughs> shit I ever heard. That's come how I on, felt man. with the wind. Yeah. I was like, come on, man. You know goddamn well. <laughs> but it makes sense. Of course. Later. Mm-hmm. Seizing the opportunity, though, Jules is like, I dare you to go down in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We cut to Dana slowly making her way down into the darkness of the cellar with a flashlight. It's full of stuff and her light scans over pictures and dolls and other random stuff. When her light hits the painting of a girl, she screams and Holden comes down to check on her. The rest follow and Marty lights a lantern so they can see more clearly. Everyone is interested except for Marty. Kurt says that he's sure this isn't his cousin's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I hope not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the fuck's your cousin into, yeah. man? <laughs> Marty's like, I dare everyone to go back upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're still playing, right? <laughs> but they've all found an item that they're interested in. Holden looks at a music box with a ballerina inside. Kurt picks up a conch shell, but sets it down when he's mesmerized by an interesting looking puzzle ball. I don't mm-hmm. know what else to call it. I think it's the best yeah. thing to call it. Dana looks at an old diary. 
Jules is fascinated by a necklace she took from a wedding gown. Even Marty finally gets distracted looking through an old film reel. We pan back and forth between everyone, completely engrossed in their objects. They get more and more mesmerized by them, and music mounts as Kurt presses a button on the puzzle ball, and Jules even starts to put the necklace on. But everything stops, and everyone snaps out of their trance as Dana gets their attention and starts to read aloud from the diary. I just want to call out the editing in this section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Because you're like... Yeah. As you're cutting, <laughs> the music's yeah. all tense. You're like, oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. But it's the diary of Anna Patience Buckner from 1903. A girl writes that her father is angry with her because she doesn't have the true faith. She mentions people named Judah and Matthew proving their devotion on travelers. Hmm. I'd already be like, put that shit down. (laughs) That is none of our business. (laughs) I'm lying because I'd be reading the whole thing. Yeah, I know. You're the one with the book. (laughs) Yeah. You absolute liar. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be reading it in my head, though. Hmm. But she writes about her mother screaming all night. And when she still hadn't found faith, her father cut open her mother's stomach and stuffed coals inside of her. She says that Judah visited her in a dream and says that Matthew took him to the black room. And that means he's dead. So that coal, I mean, medicine was weird back in the day, huh? <laughs> it was probably, she probably had a stomach Yeah, injury. they fixed it. She had menstrual cramps. He's I, like, I, I got this. I don't think she has any problems anymore. Damn. <laughs> But she says she wishes she could feel the same as Matthew about the great pain. But cutting people gives Matthew a husband's bulge and Hmm. she doesn't feel that same way. Hmm. (laughs) Dude, fucking Marty's like, can we not? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone looks horrified and disgusted. Marty asks that she stop reading, but everyone else is like, no, no, keep going. The pothead is trying to save you. Listen, listen. Just listen to him. She reads that the girl found in the oldest book a way to save her family. She says that her good arm has been cut off and eaten, so she hopes that her writing is legible. Their salvation will come in the form of a believer who will come and speak this to their spirits, restoring both them and the great pain. Then she's like, it's just a bunch of Latin. Well, then don't. Yeah. Marty, Marty's done. Yes. He tells her that this is where he has to draw the line. Do not read the fucking Latin. <laughs> but a woman's voice whispers, read it. So she starts to. It makes me laugh because the voice says, read it. And then the voice says, read it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's just super liminal, man. Come on. Let me be clear. <laughs> don't read it in your head. Nay. <laughs> Marty tries to take the book from her, but Kurt pushes him away, cussing at him. Again. Yeah. Well, he hears it, though, because yeah. he's like, what? Marty, that? yeah. Everybody yeah. else is just like, well, I'll continue reading. <laughs> Dana says that the Latin doesn't even mean anything and starts reading it again. As she reads, we cut to the woods where the Buckner family pulls themselves up from the ground. They have really good hearing down there because their reemergence was swift. They're like, say words. <laughs> yeah, they've, say, been uh, uh, they've been waiting. <laughs> But we've got Father, played by Dan Shea, Mother, played by Maya Masser, Judah, played by Matt Drake, Matthew, played by Dan Payne, and finally, with her one remaining arm, Patience, played by Jodell Furland. Which you may remember. Sharon slash Alessa herself. Oh, hey. Silent Hill. Mm -hmm. Now freed, they shuffle toward us until we see that they are on the big screen in that building. Sitterson announces a winner. The Buckners. The maintenance department cheers and high fives while everyone else looks pissed. (laughs) Sitterson says they have to share the pot with Ronald, the intern who jumps for joy. Yeah. (laughs) Something crazy that I heard on commentary about Ronald, the intern 
He's played by a guy called Tom Link. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I looked on his IMDb and he was in like 27 episodes of Buffy. So I'm, <laughs> well, assor- I'm assuming sense. that's how uh, they yeah. learned who he was. But the thing is, is that they had said that in Canada, extras and small roles, mm-hmm. they're given only to union actors in Canada. And so they had to prove that nobody else could play this part but Tom Link. <laughs> and Drew Goddard had to write a like fucking brief and send it to the Canadian government. Wow. In order for them to okay Tom Link being Ronald the intern. <laughs> and he said he has like three lines, dude. <laughs> he barely talks. Yeah. yeah. But they went through all that work. I, I feel so the, honored. Yeah. One of those lines is woo. Yeah. <laughs> A woman tells Sitterson, though, that this isn't fair because she also bet on zombies. But Sitterson makes it clear. She had zombies. This is zombie redneck torture family, <laughs> which is basically the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. But she can try again next year. <laughs> <laughs> but he stands in front of a board that has everything that everyone's bet on. And yes. if you pause that board and fucking take a look at it, yeah. that's, a, that's fantastic. It's a ton of fun. Like it even has sh- just straight up deadites on there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it also has Kevin, Elijah Wood's character from Sin City. What? But nobody, wow. nobody voted for him. <laughs> nobody <laughs> bet on him. It was funny to me though, uh, as he explains this distinction to this woman who's pissed off, because I'd be mad too. Mm-hmm. But on the board, there's literally votes for witches mm-hmm. and another one for sexy witches. <laughs> <laughs> I think she deserves partial credit. I mean, they get down to semantics here. So Mm -hmm. it's the difference between an elephant and elephant seal. I guess so. (laughs) But we cut to Lynn and Truman watching the Buckners on a monitor. Truman says they're like something from a nightmare. But Lynn explains that they're what nightmares are from. Everything they have here is remnants of the old world, courtesy of downstairs, which I'm like, I don't want to see downstairs. I want nothing to do with downstairs. I love the distinction something nightmares are from. Yes. That's a great line. It's so good. Three days. (laughs) I know. (laughs) What are we doing with our lives? (laughs) He muses that it's monsters and magic. And Lynn says, you get used to it. But Truman wonders if they should. How did you hear about this gig, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's on Craigslist. I can. <laughs> Sitterson approaches Hadley, who honestly looks heartbroken. He apologizes to Hadley, who agonizes over the fact that Kurt had the conch shell in his hand. <laughs> and now they're never going to see a merman. Sitterson tells him to be grateful because not only are they terrifying, the cleanup on them is a real nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> They say that the Buckners have a 100% clearance rate and Hadley asks if they should call Japan and tell them to take the rest of the weekend off. They walk over to a row of monitors. On either side is Berlin and Rangoon, who has a red message that reads fail over the chaos on the screen. But in the middle is Kyoto and we see a classroom where children scream in panic while a demonic woman floats in the center of the room. (laughs) I do want to point out because I have to I know that the film took place in Freiburg, not Berlin, but Berlin's way more recognizable. Mm-hmm. But it also ends in flames. Uh, I think this is a reference to Suspiria. Oh, hey, I wouldn't right. even I wouldn't even be surprised. I was happy to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is like what's happening here? This was kind of too what was 
like so every everybody has a certain time or something or these have just everyone is doing this every country is doing this the same thing this trying to do the same thing and one of them has to i mean we can't really get into it until later but one of them has to succeed okay and at this point everyone has failed except for the u.s and And Japan. japan all right all right and in all fairness i would say if you think about it, those are probably the two largest, at least. Horror? Yeah. 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 I didn't even think of that. I didn't think about that till just now, but J-horror is huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Obviously, so, horror in the United shit. States. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, the more you think about it and the more you talk about it, you're like, wait, they probably meant yeah. this. Exactly, yeah. There's so many theories to be had here. Yeah. All right, all right. I have another one that I never thought of until today, so I'll, I'm intrigued. I'll uh, propose it at the end. <laughs> I do want to say something uh, very quickly. I did see that the makeup in this film, because there was a, like a behind the scenes featurette. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Buckners, the actress who plays the mother, mm-hmm. she said it took six hours for her makeup Damn. to get on. It, they look great, yeah. though. They look so good. I Yes. but And also, all of the things that eventually are seen in this film are amazing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. But the... Effects and makeup are done by AFX, which is David Anderson's effects uh, house. Mm-hmm. He actually won the Oscar for Men in Black when he was working with uh, Rick Baker. <laughs> and he won another Oscar for The Nutty Professor when he was working All for right. Rick Baker. Nice. <laughs> but the crazy thing about it is his wife also worked on this film. She's credited as Heather L. Anderson. But her name that we know her as is Heather Langenkamp. Shut the Get fuck up. Yeah. She did effects nice. on it? She did makeup work on this how film. How fucking yeah. cool. That's so cool. Right? That's, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fucking cool. But we cut back to the cabin where music is playing and Jules is dancing for everyone in front of the fire. <laughs> Everyone just stares at her except for Kurt, who's like, that's right. Like, he's fucking hyping her up. I was like, what is Kurt anymore? (laughs) (laughs) He's just drinking and and he's hyping her ass Uh. up. But he still hypes her up, even when she comes over to Holden to dance for him. And Holden is randomly wearing glasses now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. That's abrupt. Yeah. But Marty speaks up and Jules sets her sights on him telling the room that she and Marty made out once when they were in freshman year. He kind of lightens up a little bit and kind of yeah. laughs about it, but she hits his joint and then goes back to dancing for him. Marty says that he has a theory about all of this. Kurt grabs Jules and tells Marty to tell his theory to the egghead Holden if he's not too busy de-virginizing Dana. This is when I was like, okay. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Yeah, yeah what happened? <laughs> Number one, step off, Kurt. <laughs> Number two, fucking Dana's banging her professor. Yeah, and we've yeah. established this. Uh, Holden's catching footballs in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right? But sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. He leads Jules to the door and they go outside. Dana starts to get herself a beer and Marty asks her if she really doesn't notice the way that everyone's acting. Why is Jules acting so weird? Since when does Kurt, the sociology major, act all alpha male? He has a full academic scholarship, but he's calling Holden an egghead. Dana tries to blame it on the alcohol, (laughs) then on the weed. But Marty tells her that she's just being willfully ignorant. She doesn't want to see it, so she's not seeing it. He mutters about puppeteers and then gets distracted. Dana's like, Pop-Tarts? And he's like, (laughs) Pop-Tarts? She's like, you're really high and just walks away. 
Marty says that they're not who they are and decides to go read a book with pictures in it and he leaves. In her defense, he is very high. (laughs) (laughs) So I I see how she could come to that conclusion. One thing they did mention on commentary is that the transformations we see, these shifts, Mm -hmm. the only one that they have regret over is Jules because we only know her with the hair dye. True. Ah, yeah. Right. I, I do appreciate that the whole internal bleeding thing. And she's like, well, Jules is pre-med, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we know that she's not very this. intelligent yeah, and yeah. they have her acting very ditzy. Not that you can't be intelligent and shake your ass and make, make out with the wolf's head, you know, uh-huh. but I do it all that's the time. Not- <laughs> <laughs> But Dana brings the beer to Holden, who's reading over Patience's diary. He says that he could read Latin in the 10th grade, and now it's all coming back to him. What? <laughs> We're not sitting there reading this fucking book. No. First of all, no, no. Secondly, if you could read Latin, why were you letting Dana stumble through it? Well, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Shit doesn't make sense until it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But she apologizes for how weird everything's been tonight. But Holden tells her he's still having a really nice time and they smile at each other. He says, would I lose points if I told you I was having a nice time? Yeah. Like, how the fuck would you lose yeah. points? <laughs> like, makes sense, yes. egghead. Yes, you yeah, right. <laughs> I thought you were the smart one. Yeah, what the hell? But in the woods, Jules and Kurt giggle as they run through the trees. He finally catches her and holds her, telling her that they're all alone. But they're being watched on a monitor by literally every man yeah. in the facility. They came from all the departments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something that made me laugh on commentary is, first of all, it's surprising, but this is all a soundstage. What? Yeah, all of it is like either artificial or real, but it's not out in the real wilderness. The funny thing about it, though, is the guy responsible for bringing the trees in was named Glenn Forrester. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I think he lied about his name. (laughs) My name is Tree (laughs) (laughs) Forrester. (laughs) But just as Kurt goes to unbutton Jules' shirt, she tells him she's chilly and runs away. The men all groan in disappointment and Hadley's like, get out. We're trying to work. Once they leave, Sitterson adjusts the temperature for Jules and Kurt from 64 degrees to like 75, 76 degrees. And Hadley turns on the pheromones. And back at the woods, we see the pheromones rising up like fog from the ground. It's so smart. It is. Because you watch horror films, and I know JP probably a lot, because a lot of times when things get steamy, JP's like, why the fuck is this happening? (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) To have like a kind of this explanation. Is why. Oh, this yeah. is why. This is why they're taking off their gear. And yes. Getting down. <laughs> this is why they're showing each other the flesh. There you go. But Jules takes a deep breath of those pheromones and smiles at Kurt. They start to kiss, but Jules tells him that it's too dark and asks for him to take her inside. Kurt's like, no, nah, it's romantic. This is why we came here. Back in the facility, we see a dial being turned, and in the woods, the moonlight shines more brightly from the trees. She's like, I'm cold. Bet. It's too dark. Bet. (laughs) What else? (laughs) Sitterson, he came prepared. But they lay down and start to make out as Sitterson, Hadley, and Truman watch them on the monitor. Sitterson and Hadley are like, show us the goods. (laughs) But Truman is disgusted, asking if it really matters if she shows her breasts. And they're like, yeah, it does. We're not the only ones watching this, and we have to keep the customers satisfied. Sitterson turns on Truman and is like, do you really know what's at stake here, man? (laughs) (laughs) 
back. Well, he's and- like, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. <really." laughs> I'm, like, I'm new, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they probably should have briefed him, though, to be fair. Yeah. One would think that none of this came up in the interview. No. Yeah, no shit. What, They're just like, can you handle yourself? Yeah, what did they tell you you were going to do anyway? You're I, right, because at the beginning, he's like, yeah, I've been briefed and prepped. It's like, mm, on what? Yeah. It's, it's like the Thor meme. <laughs> you do, yeah. have you? <laughs> <laughs> But back in the woods, Kurt and Jules are getting hot and heavy, and Jules finally unbuttons her top and reveals her breasts, to which Hadley goes, score. I will say Truman, for all of his like puritanical bullshit, uh-huh. he leans right into frame. Hypocrite. Watching. Yeah. Also, when they say the customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that mm. too. I'm like, mm. That fits into my theory later. I have a theory uh, as well right, along we'll that. We'll get to it. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they continue to make out and we follow Jules's hand across the grass and focus on it until it is stabbed through with a knife. She screams. We see that it's one of the Buckner zombies. More of them come from out of the trees and Kurt fucking tackles Mother Buckner. But when he turns around to help Jules, he's stabbed in the back. He has to pull it out of his back and turns just in time to see one of them stand up with the tool. I do want to point out that I think his name is Matthew Buckner. I don't know. Okay. I, 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 refer, I referred to the, the younger Buckners as the Buckner boys. <laughs> are they a, are they a tag team? Uh, yeah. I yeah. got you on the ropes. <laughs> but yeah, no shit. But uh, Matthew Buckner, he keeps tilting his head just like Michael Myers. Right. And he that's, fucking does, dude. I didn't even catch that. When he did it, I was like, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. We all know how I feel about Halloween. <laughs> But his weapon is a bear trap attached to a chain. I put the Buckner boy, but I'm guessing Matthew Buckner (laughs) swings it and hits Kurt in the head, knocking him down. He then throws it at Jules and the teeth from the bear trap bite into her back. So is it alive? The bear trap? Well, I mean, (laughs) he he threw it in it like... I mean, it's sharp. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Did it know when to bite her, or was it like? He's a, like, go. They've rigged these. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The bear trap is also undead. Mm-hmm. But Matthew drags her toward him and holds her up, while Father Buckner holds Kurt, and the two brothers hold Jules. Mother Buckner readies a giant and dirty saw. Jules screams to Kurt as we see her get sliced, blood flying toward us, and it cuts to black. I don't know why, but the cut to black from that slice is like jarring. It's yeah. a lot because like we were just showing each other the flesh. Like yeah. everything yeah, was just fine. We were having the best time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the best of times fucking Charles Dickens over here. <laughs> but back at the facility, we cut to Hadley looking solemn as Sitterson bows his head and offers a prayer. This we offer in humility and fear for the blessed peace of your eternal slumber as it ever was. Hadley repeats that last line after him, also bowing his head. Hadley then gets up and opens a panel on the wall. He pulls a lever inside, causing gears to grind until a vial of blood is broken. We follow the blood down, seeing it fill in the recesses of an outline. We're, we're starting to get things piecing together mm-hmm. but i do wonder about the logistics of the blood collection <laughs> like whose blood is it well are there yeah. holes in the grass like <laughs> what's happening sure all right it's that uh animalistic bear trap it yeah, is that right? brought it yeah. back <laughs> but back at the cabin marty is doing just as he promised and laying in his bed reading little nemo 
Dude, I laugh every time his line. <laughs> He's like, he what goes, is this? He goes, Nemo, man, you got to wake up. Your shit is topsy turvy. <laughs> it kills me every single time. <laughs> But he's super into it until he hears that woman's voice announce that she's going for a walk. And he's sick of it. Mm -hmm. He stands up and confronts the voice, saying he's in charge of his own brain and refuses to be a puppet. But then he promptly decides that he's going to go ahead and go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's like me when I see an ad for food. Yeah, you're not in charge of me, but I am going to go get some burgers. (laughs) (laughs) On the couch, Dana and Holden are making out. She pulls away from him, telling him that she's never... Well... She doesn't mean never. She's like, why am I saying this? But he reassures her that they won't do anything that she doesn't want to. Just as they go in for another kiss, Marty walks past them to the <laughs> front door, commenting on Holden's husband bolt. <laughs> <laughs> and Holden is ashamed. Yeah. Well, Marty didn't need to blow up a spot like that. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> but Marty casually walks outside whistling and takes a look up at the stars. But the sky is just pitch black. He remarks that he thought there would be stars and it's, comes to the conclusion that they are abandoned. It's funny that Citizen wasn't like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Turns on the stars. <laughs> you guys didn't turn on the stars? But as he's wrestling with this, we see Patience Buckner staggering up in the background. He starts to pee <laughs> in full view of the cabin, which yeah. I don't blame him. It's dark out here. Well, you can't pee in the... Oh, wait, no. They don't have bathrooms in cabins a lot yeah. of the time. Ugh, That's no why you don't you. go to a cabin. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> But he does start to pee with patients getting closer and closer. But just when you think she's going to scare him, Kurt does instead. He runs right up to Marty, telling him to run and get inside. On their way back to the cabin door, he fucking clotheslines patients, <laughs> calling her a dead bitch. It, she does a flip. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking takes her ass out. <laughs> but inside, Dana asks where Jules is. And Kurt tells her sadly that she's gone and they need to get out of here. Dana refuses to believe this and opens the door saying she's not leaving without Jules. There's a Buckner boy (laughs) waiting on the doorstep who smiles and tosses Dana Jules's head. She screams and throws it away. Kurt and Holden manage to get the door closed and locked. And when Dana asks what they are, Kurt tells her he doesn't know, but there's more of them. Marty remarks about the girl he saw all zombified like that guy, but with only one arm. Dana quickly makes the connection to the diary. You done goofed. Yeah, you mm-hmm. done goofed because she told you that her arm was cut up in et. Yeah. And et. And yeah. et. She told you. <laughs> I look, I'm not going to judge anyone on how they deal with these kinds of situations, but I feel like if someone threw a severed head at me, I wouldn't catch it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's reflex. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> But Kurt decides to take the cabin room by room, barricading the doors and the windows. He says they have to be smart and stick together no matter what. Back at the facility, Hadley's like, what the fuck? He's like very upset. (laughs) Sitterson tells Hadley to calm down and takes care of it by pressing a button on his keyboard. At the cabin, something behind the vent moves and releases more mist. Kurt walks directly into it, breathes it in, and is like, this isn't right. We'll cover more ground if we split up. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you. First of all, this is cheating. But (laughs) secondly, again, to these points, this is why. Yeah, this is why they keep they do stupid shit. Never split up. Okay. Don't don't split up. But Holden's like, yeah, we should. And Marty's like, really? (laughs) Suddenly a fist punches through one of the windows. Kurt runs to attack the hand and tells everyone else to get to their rooms. 
at the facility, Hadley has popcorn now. (laughs) (laughs) And he munches on it as he tells Sitterson to lock them in. (laughs) Sitterson presses a button on his keyboard and just as everyone runs into their rooms, all the doors slam shut. Now locked in his room, Marty rushes to close his window, but accidentally knocks over his bedside lamp in the process. In the broken lamp, he spots a small camera. He picks it up and looks into it, leaving Sitterson and Hadley to worry. (laughs) Hadley immediately makes a call to the Kim department, but leaves them on standby when Sitterson points out that Judah Buckner is about to make short work of their problem. I love that he gets on and he's like, yeah, I need 500 cc for Thorazine. Like, we're about to knock him. We're just knock, knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> it's causing too many problems. <laughs> Marty's going in timeout. Yeah. But Marty sits on the windowsill after pulling at the camera wire and comes to term with the fact that he's on a reality TV show and his parents are going to think that he's a total burnout. As if this they have a, <laughs> To me, this was a very uh, stew moment yes. from Scream. That's very fair. But just as he ponders this, the window behind him breaks and Judah grabs him. Marty reaches for anything he can get a grip on as Judah pulls him out of the window. And when they land outside, we see that it's his coffee cup slash bong. (laughs) He's able to extend it to its final form and hit Judah with it, but it doesn't do much. He runs, but Judah throws his knife and gets Marty right in the back and Marty goes down. Marty screams for help as Judah grabs his feet and drags him through the woods before pulling him out of sight. And we hear stabbing noises. And we see blood spray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two things. One, the triumphant music when he fucking lightsabers that bomb. Uh (laughs) Like, it's very funny to me. But the second thing is it's kind of odd. They didn't have a camera angle to catch Marty uh, getting killed. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Yes, yeah. Yeah, not a big deal. It's exactly as presented. I was sad. (laughs) Yes. 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 But at the facility, Hadley pulls another lever, which breaks another vial of blood, (laughs) which fills up recesses that look like someone dancing with a glass of wine in their hand. The facility starts to shake, and they acknowledge that they must be getting excited downstairs. On a shaking monitor, we see Dana panicking in her room. The earthquake situation? Mm -hmm. Put a pin in that right oh yeah (laughs) yeah again it takes you a couple times to watch it my mouth dropped open (laughs) that's it's oh it's just so good but back in the cabin dana tries to barricade her window but mother buckner breaks the window and grabs her before stabbing her saw through dana runs to the door and begs for someone to open it but holden breaks through that two slash one way mirror (laughs) and helps dana through and they fall into his room with her landing on top of him of course They lift the bed to cover the hole from the mirror, but they spot a trap door in the floor. Dana lowers the lamp down, and when they find the room empty, they drop in. Kurt starts to pound on Holden's door, telling him to unlock it, but Holden says he can't and tells him to meet them down in the basement. Now down in the cellar, Dana looks around at the tools and devices and identifies this as the black room from Patience's diary. Dana says that this is where he killed them all and this is where he's going to kill us. Holden's like, oh, now hold on. (laughs) Can you have a little positivity, please? (laughs) He says no one's going to kill them. They're going to find their way out of here. They look around for a door and call out for Kurt, but suddenly Holden gets got in the back with that bear trap chain. Yeah. Bear Trap's like, I got him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was asking. Father Buckner starts to pull him back up the trap door, but Dana jumps on Holden and pulls him down. I'm sure that fucking hurt. Oh, yeah. But this almost pulls Father Buckner down with them. 
Dana finds a crowbar and stabs it through father's eye, telling him he likes pain so much. How does this work for him? Are they feeding her one liners too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the mist as well. Mm. But father's eyes pop right back open. The music swells as Dana grabs a knife and stabs father until he stops moving, spraying black blood everywhere. In the facility, Hadley yearns for the days where you could just throw a girl into a volcano and Citizen presses a button that makes the knife emit electricity. Back in the cellar, Dana drops it after it does a small little buzz and doesn't even register that she's done this. I love this so much. Yeah, because in every movie, you're like, hold on to the gun. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about it in, well, I guess not just. It was back in October. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. With uh, Halloween. Time is a flat circle. With but Laurie yes. Strode dropping the knife, and yeah. we're like, why would why? you drop the knife? Yes. And it's just like, I mean, that stuff. Drew Goddard said that they didn't really do any background research on horror, minus the years and decades of loving it. That's all you need. That's all you need <laughs> to do that. But little moments like that just show how true of horror fans they right. are. Yeah, because that's always infuriating. Yeah. And she doesn't even register it because they never do. No. But finally, Kurt bursts in. He leads them out of the cellar and outside, grabbing a big stick on the way. Dana asks about Marty and Kurt tells her that they got him. They jump into the RV and take off. How does Kurt know that? He's probably like, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not making two stops. <laughs> Jules is dead. Marty's dead. <laughs> yeah. We're leaving. But we cut to Kyoto and the little girls form a circle chanting around the demon and holding a pot with flowers under her. The light shines from her face as she screams. Finally, she disappears and comes back in the form of a frog in the flowers beneath her. The girls announce that the evil has been defeated and the demon spirit will now live within a happy frog. They all cheer and hug. We pan out to see Citizen watching them on a monitor. He yells, fuck you at them. He's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Specifically each girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is to me, first of all, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Second of all, the crazy thing that I heard on commentary is that when this was with MGM, MGM wanted to cut the entire Japan bit. No. Why? They, they said... It doesn't even take that much time. No, yeah. they, they said again, like I said at the top about things being... It would being, confuse. Yeah, they said people won't understand what's going on. It's like, dude... And this is why it got the film, of course, when MGM fucking whatever happened to them. Yeah. The film got picked up by Lionsgate. Mm -hmm. And Lionsgate loved the film as it was and said, no, no changes, you know? Good. Which is what's funny to me because this film feels like a Lionsgate film anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, it's just... Maybe, maybe it was always meant to be. It's fate, man. <laughs> For the ancient ones. <laughs> <laughs> but Lynn video calls Sitterson, throwing back what he said about Japan having it in the bag in his face. Sitterson tells her that Japan has fucked them. And really, how hard is it to kill nine-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> we cycle through the monitors. Japan, Sweden, Buenos Aires, Madrid, all failed. Sitterson tells Lynn that they're not worried downstairs because they still have faith in what they're trying to make happen. Hadley says that they're about to bring the pain on the remaining friends. Sitterson, though, asks Lynn what was up with Marty's pot. He should have been a drooling idiot, but instead he nearly blew everything for them. Lynn says they treated it, but it doesn't matter anyway because the fool is dead and they're going to be two if they don't get this under control. 
Hadley sees something on the monitor that makes him panic, and he motions for Citizen to end the call with Lynn. She's telling him that they're humanity's last hope because if the ancients rise, but Citizen just hangs up on her. I want to know more, yeah. please. What happens if the ancients rise? <laughs> Doesn't sound good. But the cave-in that was supposed to block off the tunnel never happened. The tunnel is wide open. Citizen calls out to the demolition team before taking off from the control room. He just fucking is yeah. chopping out of there. <laughs> We see the RV hauling ass down the street as Citizen runs through the halls, literally pushing people out of his way. It's like, and I know what you did last summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where you tackle that old man. <laughs> Except now the old man's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But he finally makes it to his destination where they tell him it should have blown hours ago. There's been some kind of electrical glitch, just like in 98. Interesting. Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to point out is a very interesting influence that Drew Goddard talked about on commentary. Uh -huh. He said that as you're watching this, you're simultaneously wanting Citizen to get the cave yes. in yeah. and, yes. and wanting them to get out. Right. Yes. Yeah. He said his inspiration for rooting for both came from when he rewatched The Breakfast Club as an adult. He said... <laughs> Who was he rooting for the principal? Well, look, he said, <laughs> he said when he watched it when he was younger, he identified with the kids, of course. Right. Duh. But then as an adult, he said there's that scene where the janitor and the principal are talking and he's like, oh shit, I'm them now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. So, You're like, well, I'm officially old. Yeah. Long story short, I'm afraid to rewatch The Breakfast Club. You mess with the bull, <laughs> you, you get, get the, the horns. horns. Can you just say that to the kids when I got home? When what? I got here? What? <laughs> I don't live here. <laughs> it's your home away from home. There you go. But Citizen crawls under the desk and starts fucking with some electrical wires. Lynn runs into the control room demanding to know what's going on and asking why the tunnel hasn't blown. Kurt in the RV is hauling ass and just about to make it through the tunnel when we see Citizen connect two wires together. Suddenly, the tunnel blows. Kurt slams on the brakes just in time before the way is completely blocked. He throws the RV in reverse as debris chases them back out of the tunnel. That's a great shot. Yeah. It is. We cut to the three survivors standing at the huge gap between the road they're on and the road out of here. Kurt has climbing gear, but at his dorm. Great. The road is completely <laughs> blocked and there's no way across. Holden asks what? We're just supposed to jump? And Kurt has an idea. We cut to Kurt revving up his motorcycle. Dana's concerned, but he assures her that he's done bigger jumps than this. Holden tells him that he has to give it everything. Kurt tells them to stay in the RV. Well, he's living up to his egghead shit because he's like, there's about a five meter yeah. differential. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? It hasn't worn off yet. No. <laughs> and you can't see that from here. Yeah. <laughs> But Kurt tells him to stay in the RV because he's bringing back help. He'll limp if he ends up crashing on the other side, but he's coming back. He's coming back with cops and choppers and big fucking guns, and those things are going to pay. Great speech. It's so good. <laughs> I did read that from the dailies of Kurt giving this speech, mm -hmm. this is how he got Thor. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> It was funny. I heard on commentary, they said that I think it was the dailies came out on Thursday mm -hmm. and then MGM hired him for Red Dawn yes. on Friday. Damn. And then by, I think, Sunday, yeah, he they was said, Thor. They said two days <laughs> later. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie, I yeah. mean, really, right, right. you know, All right, can you imagine nice. anybody else being Thor? No. No. Uh, Joss Whedon's uh, scumbag ass was on commentary as well. Scumbag piece of shit. And he said that, I guess... Chris Hemsworth had screen tested for Thor, 
but he thought that it went horribly. Right. And it was these dailies that kind of turned everything around. But wow. he's so like, you honestly get goosebumps because you're yes. like, this dude's going to fucking save us. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he tells Dana that this is for Jules. She kisses his cheek and Holden tells him not to hold back. And he says, I never do. Marty's like, what am I chopped liver? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The music swells as Kurt backs up the motorcycle and makes the jump. It looks great. This dude is fucking flying through the air on track to make the landing, but he smashes into that invisible wall Mm. that I wish we didn't know about. The only way they could have telegraphed it more is if when Kurt said, I have a plan, he put on a bird costume. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if the bird was riding a motorcycle. Like it, it upsets me so bad. It's so frustrating because the hope that you feel for him, even having seen that, can you imagine yeah. how yeah. devastating this would and be if you didn't fucking yeah. know what was going to oh, happen? Yeah. And the music swells. Yes. But it's such a false moment because you're like, no, it's a wall there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Kurt. Mm-mm. Yeah. You're, you're about to. Baby, no, right? what is no, you doing? You already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ever want to see the bottom of a canyon, Kurt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the bike is smashed and Kurt falls from it, bouncing off the wall as he falls into the abyss below. Dana screams. Holden questions what he could have hit. There's nothing there. Hmm. Dana says, puppeteers. Marty was right. Holden fucking runs back to the RV, (laughs) (laughs) telling Dana to do the same. He, he told you. Mm-hmm. He did. He tried. Then he got yeah. you know hung up on Pop-Tarts, but well, he yeah. did try. Pop-Tarts are good. That's understandable. Pop-Tarts yeah. are good. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> We're a Toastums family now. No, that's right. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Back at the facility, another lever is pulled, and the blood fills in the outline of a broad-shouldered person holding a spear and a ball. In the RV, Holden is behind the wheel now, saying there has to be another road out of here, or they can just go to the forest and try to go as far as they can. Dana tells him that it doesn't matter if there's another way out. Something will happen to it. He's missing the point. He asked her to hold it together because mm-hmm. she's all he has now. He's like, can you fucking not? <laughs> well, she was already negative in the black room. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to point out that she said something about you know if we reach a bridge or whatever, it's probably collapsed and washed away. Yeah. Evil Dead. Yeah. Yes. Damn it, yeah. But she tells him she's okay, and he asks that she just remain calm no matter what, and that's when the knife comes through his throat. This is one of the most shocking deaths I've ever (laughs) seen. Because you're like, they're in the fucking RV? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do you even get in there? What the fuck? Using the restroom? Yeah, right. Yeah. But one of the Buckner boys stabs Holden through his throat, causing him to fall onto the steering wheel. Dana screams as the RV goes off the road and into the lake. Man, didn't he just get there? He did. Tra- what, he transferred schools or some shit. Mm-hmm. and then <laughs> Should have stayed yeah. at that state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did want to point out was the attention to detail. Whenever the windshield breaks and the water crashes through, yeah. Yeah. his side is red water. Oh, man. Oh, nice. Like I was like, you guys really did yeah. this shit. <laughs> it's so impressive. But Dana is able to swim to the top of the RV and get a gulp of air before opening the moonroof and climbing out. The Buckner boy grabs onto her (laughs) ankle, but she's able to free herself and swim up toward the surface. At the facility, Sitterson, Hadley, and Lynn drink and celebrate, but Truman is confused. Why are they celebrating when they can still see Dana alive and swimming on the monitor? Did you get like a packet at all? Like orientation? (laughs) There was no orientation. (laughs) Okay. 
Hadley says that the virgin's death is optional as long as it's the last death. The whole point is for her to suffer, which she has. Hadley gets all existential, saying it's the strangest thing. He's rooting for this girl. She just has so much heart. He starts to detail the pain that she's been through, but yells that tequila <laughs> is his lady when the other departments come to join the celebration. I laugh every time. It's it's the funniest break from what he's saying. Yeah, it's amazing. I heard on commentary, they said that Bradley Whitford, they did eight takes of what was written. And on this last take, he improv <laughs> And then that That's got it. it. Yeah. It's perfect. Drew Goddard said, I don't even know really what it means, but it's fucking hilarious. Right. And it's, he's right. <laughs> but back at the dock, Dana makes her way and finally climbs up onto it, laying down and catching her breath. She begins to sob and suddenly the bear trap comes down right next to her. The Buckner boy comes toward her and suddenly we cut to her and Buckner on the monitor in the facility. Buckner picks her up and wraps the chain around her neck, standing up with her like she weighs nothing. But instead of hearing her screams, we hear Roll With The Changes by Aria Speedwagon <laughs> blasting as there's a full-blown fucking party happening in the control room right now. So just a couple things here. One, that's a great music cue. <laughs> I honestly thought that this was the end of the movie. I did too. Yeah. The first time oh, I saw yeah. it. I did too. I heard again on commentary, the studio wanted to cut this entire party scene that's coming up. And Drew Goddard, when he got the call, because he's like, you know, I've been fighting all these little battles. Mm-hmm. He just said, he said he just cried because he's like, oh, this is so important. It is. And so what they decided to do is they decided to call the studio head and they literally called him the second they got him on the phone. They said, we're not cutting the scene. Shaklaki. And just hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's still here. Well, it works. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to do a little shaklaki. Hey, That's man. how it works. That's if you learn anything from today's episode. <laughs> but a couple people are lavishing praise on Hadley and the work he did tonight. But he can't fully enjoy it. He says he just thinks it would have been a lot cooler with the mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> We scan through the party, people wondering if they're going to get paid overtime, a man trying to ask a woman out only for her to just walk away. It's a it's an office yeah, party. Yeah, what was going on? Yeah, <laughs> she she spent tickets on yeah. her favorite yeah. opera. Yeah. At least just say, I'm not interested. No, yeah. she literally walks away. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we get to Sitterson talking to the demolition department. He tells them that they nearly gave him a heart attack and they tell him it wasn't their fault. They never got the order. He tries to laugh it off, but they're like, no, seriously, there was a glitch, a power reroute from upstairs. Sitterson's like, upstairs? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Suddenly, a red phone starts to ring, and Hadley and Sitterson look at each other from across the party like fucking Mac and Charlie. (laughs) Hadley calls out for them to turn the fucking music off. It immediately stops and Hadley walks over to the phone. He picks it up, listening for a moment, and then says, that's impossible because everything was done within the guidelines. The virgin is the only one left. Someone on the other side of the phone apparently tells him that that's wrong. And he asks, which one? Everyone turns to the monitor where Buckner is just body slamming Dana onto the dock. I love that mission was accomplished and they're like, so anyway, they don't even care to watch the end. And he's really not even trying to kill her. No, No, he's playing with her. Yeah. Playing with his food. Yeah. I guess they're not cannibals. We don't know that yet. (laughs) That was unfair. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was rude. I'm sorry, Matthew. 
<laughs> Buckner boy. There you go. But we're back to Dana now on the dock and Buckner advances on her, dragging the chain behind him. She weakly tries to crawl away, but Buckner starts swinging the chain over his head to throw it toward her. But it catches on something. The coffee mug slash bong. Marty is alive. Buckner quickly pulls the cup away from Marty, but Dana is able to pull up a loose board from the dock and whack Buckner into the lake. They run away, but we see Buckner start to rise up out of the lake. First of all, great shot of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rising yeah. Up. Uh-huh. That's some primo horror shit. Yeah. yeah. But hence the earthquake. Yes. Because they, they, they weren't. They were like, no, yeah. no. Uh-huh. You should have pulled the lever. They, 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 in the control room, they're, <laughs> they're thinking the gods are like, yes, yes, yeah. yes this rocks. <laughs> but they were pissed. Yeah, because he pulled the lever and Marty wasn't dead. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they were like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're doing this shit. Oh, yeah. But Marty and Dana run through the woods and past the cabin before Marty jumps into, I guess, a grave. Yeah. Dana realizes that he intends for them to both go in there, but her protests stop immediately when she sees patients coming toward her. It's the Buckner's grave. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes. They go into the grave and Marty closes them into what looks like a bunker. Mm-hmm. The Buckner's bunker. Say that. Five times. <laughs> I can't even say it once. Nope. A pile of human remains grabs at Dana's feet and Marty explains that he had to disembowel him with the trowel. So what have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> Dana confirms to him that no one else survived and he says that's what he figured and she's like you figured everything he says that's not true but he does know a few things he fiddles with wires in a fuse box and a panel in the floor opens to reveal an elevator at this point I'm like what the fuck is going on (laughs) pieces of that zombie body fall down into it Marty tells her that someone sent the Buckner family up here to kill them. He says there's no controls in the elevator, but there's overrides in this fuse box, and he thinks he can get the elevator to go down. Dana ponders if they even want, you know, to go down, yeah. and Marty's like, where else are we going to go? No shit, really? I mean, if I'm them, I might eat all the food in the cabin and then starve to death. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a plan At here. At least you're thinking ahead. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll starve to death. Well, we. this is the logical. <laughs> <laughs> but she hops down into the elevator and Marty fiddles with the wires before hopping in himself. The elevator begins to rotate and there's an empty black space through the glass walls of the elevator. Dana steps up to this glass wall and we see only her reflection before a fucking werewolf growls and runs yeah. up at her. This werewolf is all practical. And it wow, looks great. Yeah. It looks great. That is a great looking werewolf. The elevator rotates away from the werewolf and stops in front of a screaming spirit that keeps disappearing and reappearing. Was that also practical? No. <laughs> <laughs> The elevator descends on one side. Marty sees a little girl in a tutu with her back to the elevator. And the ballerina turns around to reveal that her face is nothing but rows of teeth. And music box music softly plays. This is when I'm like, oh, shit. All starting to come together. Yes. On the other side of the elevator, Dana sees a large man with spikes coming out of his face, holding the puzzle ball that Kurt had. And I almost said puzzle ball because, because <laughs> <laughs> we all know what's going yeah. on here. This is clearly Hellraiser. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Dana steps toward the man musing that they chose in the cellar. They made them choose how they were going to die. Dana screams and hits the glass. But the man on the other side, you know, really doesn't give a shit. No. 
The elevator moves again and we pan out to see dozens and dozens of creatures and monsters in their own private elevators. So the elevator bit genius. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's honestly one of the coolest concepts I've ever seen. Yes. Period. Uh, Stop banging on the glass. (laughs) (laughs) That's number one. We're all upset. Yes. You know, that's enough. But number two, I think the coolest thing about this is that I couldn't say this earlier, but every single item in the cellar, even ones that aren't picked up by our main Mm -hmm. cast are represented. Have a purpose. Man. And it's, so smart probably put the prop department through hell I'm oh sure. yeah I'm sure. but it's so worth it because when you go back and we'll learn more even more later mm-hmm. but when you go back every single thing you can pick and point that's towards so, that's so fucking cool uh, yeah. that's pretty cool it's just the attention to detail again yeah yeah i i did like this idea as well yes mm-hmm. i was like this is a a, a good way to show and introduce all of these mm-hmm. yeah. like we could have picked anything yeah you know what i yeah. mean we, and we they were dying yeah. anyway yeah it didn't matter <laughs> yeah um i want to know more yes i i yes yeah. more of each creature uh, everything how how does this work what, oh yeah. yeah what's all there yeah where can we get them <laughs> right or, are they available for parties yeah. yes one thing i did notice was that a few of the creatures were from left for dead too that's so fucking cool. <laughs> and when I looked into it, I found out why that was. Hmm. Apparently, there was supposed to be a tie-in and there was going to be a DLC <gasps> of The Cabin oh, in the wow. Woods for Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. But because MGM fucking went God under, it. it had to be canceled. I fucking loved Left 4 Dead, dude. And this was like prime time me playing yeah, it. Yeah, that <laughs> sucks. That would have been so fucking cool. Oh, yeah. But I don't think they'll revisit that. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they would have if they were going to. Mm-hmm. It's but, been 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But back in the control room, Citizen and Hadley are in full panic mode, ordering for Dana and Marty to be found. Hadley states the mission explicitly. Only get the fool. If the girl dies before him, this whole thing goes to hell. Lynn says that Marty's stash has been tested and whatever he's been smoking is what immunized him from what affected everyone else. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, because Jules was smoking it, too. Yeah, but she already had it in her system from the hair dye. They wouldn't fight it out inside her bloodstream? (laughs) I don't know how cells work. (laughs) But Hadley says that if it's a confirmed kill, then Dana can be taken out as well. Oh, cool. (laughs) Thanks. Truman suddenly spots Marty and Dana in their elevator on the monitors, and they pull it up on the main computer, and we zoom back into the elevator with them. Marty holds Dana when suddenly the elevator door opens and a security guard comes in with his gun raised. He orders that only Dana exit the elevator. The mangled corpse on the ground grabs onto his leg (laughs) and he is fully distracted and stops to shoot at it. Marty takes this opportunity to fucking slam the guard's head into the side of the elevator. Marty grabs the gun and the trowel and tells the zombie arm that it did good work. He did. It killed me because earlier... (laughs) When the arm tried to grab him, he goes, fucking zombie arm. Yeah. But now they've reconciled. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. Yeah. I had misjudged you, zombie yeah. arm. Yeah. <laughs> I was too hasty. Yes. But the elevator door closes as the arm crawls over to grab the guard's face. <laughs> What's he planning? Got him a snack. No, no, yeah. Nothing good. I don't know how he's going to eat him. I don't know either. <laughs> He'll figure it out. But they look around the hallway of the facility when suddenly a woman's voice speaks over the intercom that they shouldn't be here and this all should have gone differently. She sympathizes with their pain and confusion, but this isn't really about them. This is part of something bigger and older than anything. 
Marty hands Dana the trowel and we see on the monitors that large groups of guards are running toward them. The voice goes on to explain that the creatures they've seen tonight are nothing compared to what came before them and what lies below. It's both their job to placate the ancient ones and Dana and Marty's job to be offered up to them. She asks for their forgiveness and pleads that they just let them get it over with. So Truman should have heard this. (laughs) 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 But I feel like this is where you finally completely 100% understand everything. What's happening, Yeah. yeah. And it's brilliant. Yes. But Dana and Marty run. (laughs) They find their way to a reception area and run inside, locking the door. But the guards fire right at the fucking window as they cower underneath. Dana notices a button for a system override. She looks up at the monsters on the monitors. And after a nod from Marty says, let's get this party started and hits the button. Now, what ensues is one of the coolest things ever. Mm -hmm. 100%. And since it's so cool, I allow the button existing to... Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because why would it be there? Yeah, there's no reason for it to be there, but (laughs) just let us have this. Sure, yeah. It's there, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of movement can be heard, and the guards stop to look around. One of them finally comes to the realization, oh, shit. (laughs) Right before both rows of elevators open on either side of them, monsters, spirits, the werewolf, some big fucking pterodactyl thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole bunch of shit comes out of the elevators and immediately devours the guards, and it cuts to black. <laughs> They're good at cutting to black when shit yeah. gets crazy. Well, I think part of the help of cut to black is like half of a security guard got thrown at the camera. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you don't need to see the rest half of Half of a security guard. <laughs> We cut to another set of guards shooting at the back of a giant rattlesnake. They follow it into that hallway that is now completely covered in blood with dead bodies on the ground and a few stray zombies. A limb falls from the ceiling, getting the zombies attention. And as soon as they look up, the elevator doors ding again. That was all not okay. Not the all those creatures, <laughs> but they really have. Yeah, those. they really <laughs> they trained them. <laughs> but the shot with the zombies was all filmed practically, and the crazy they're like thing, eating, dude. yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> they're like hell yes. The crazy thing to me is that all that blood is put onto the set physically. Wow, like it's not CG. I I think they said in is it some chocolate? yes, <laughs> I don't know, but they said that it was like over like hundreds of gallons of blood. Uh, it looks like it, and yeah. I can't it even imagine. The yeah, it oh, does. Yeah. But from inside the reception area, all we see is blood and gore hitting the window. The elevators open again, and more creatures and masked fucking creepy ass looking yeah. people come out. We see workers being thrown to the giant snake to eat, a man tied upside down and being presided over by puzzle ball guy, people crawling on the ceiling and doing unanesthetized surgery. Did that remind you of House on Haunted Hill? Totally, yes. A woman killing herself before the creatures get to her, the masked people that we saw pouring gasoline on tied up workers, a group holding people down while their leader vomits on them. Yeah. It's It's the fly? It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) We pan out to see all the monitors and it is complete nightmare chaos. As they watch this all on the monitors, including the toothy ballerina dancing in a hallway of blood. Love it. Yeah. Hadley calls for a code black, but gets no response. They're screaming about all the sectors that are down and suddenly the electricity cuts out. The generator powers up and something starts to bang on the thick metal door. So obviously have to call out all the creature design yes oh, yeah. yes a thousand times yes this was handled by afx 
man. Yeah. They said something along the lines of they, I think it was 60 people yeah. working for about, I think it was six to eight weeks. Damn. Getting all of these interesting different Jesus. designs because they're so varied. Yeah. It's there, not, it's, there's everything. Yeah. They're all kind of of their own world. Yeah. And I would watch a movie with any of them. Yeah. Yes. Well, can I mean, we? I wouldn't watch the movie with them. I w- <laughs> <laughs> if they can sit down and behave, I'll watch the movie with them. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> In the reception area, a big winged monster crashes through the glass. It growls at them and Marty and Dana fucking make a run for it. <laughs> they run into a man who tries to warn them that one of the exits is blocked, but the monster flies into him, crashing him through the wall. The monster flies back out and takes off in the opposite direction and zombies start to shuffle toward them and they all take their chances in the mystery wall. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't seem so dangerous now. No. And like that, everything's fucked. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's over. There's no... Yeah. The one thing that I will say was a little overboard was the unicorn. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get there in a second. Okay. But yeah, we see more clips of chaos. The werewolf eating someone's neck meat, a clown stabbing someone, then getting shot multiple times, but just laughing about it. <laughs> and that unicorn impaling someone with its <laughs> horn. <laughs> I was like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> now it, you it, done it, did it. It, was, yeah. it even sounded all magical. It, yeah. <laughs> it changed just for yeah. the unicorn. <laughs> I did see that the clown was played by the motion director of the film. Oh, wow. Hey. He's the guy that kind of told everybody how to act like the zombies. The, uh-huh. This is how you shuffle and all that. He, uh, he was the clown. That's nice. fucking cool. He was creepy. Yeah. They said he directed them as the clown, which was weird. Ah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Mm-mm. But we see all this shit and then the elevators ding again. Patience comes out onto the floor and takes a look around. Why was that sad? Yeah. It is sad. Like when I saw it, I was like, I feel for that girl. (laughs) Not patience. Yeah. But in the control room, Truman takes out several zombies before being taken down himself. The zombies immediately going after his guts. Hadley defends Sitterson and Lynn with a fucking machine gun Yeah. while Sitterson tries to <laughs> bypass a code to open a trap door. Drew Goddard said that Bradley Whitford was so excited to use that machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do a few takes because he said after the first take, he was like, okay, I need you to not pretend it's the best day of your life <laughs> and pretend it's actually the worst. <laughs> he was having fun. He was. Uh-huh. Truman triggers an explosive, sacrificing himself and exploding the zombies, but it sends Hadley flying to the other side of the room. Smoke fills the room, and as Hadley opens his eyes and the ringing in his ears subsides, he catches a glimpse of it. Coming through the smoke, a merman. (laughs) Hadley laments, Aw, come on! Before the merman starts to eat his face, shooting blood out of the blowhole in his back. I will say now I see why Sitterson said it's a bitch to clean up. Yes. But uh, was anybody else really sad that he got killed? Well, (laughs) I was. I was. I was. I think that it's so funny because when he said that it was a bitch to clean up, I saw in the featurette that they had to film this like last in this room. Oh man, because it because fucked it, it yeah. fucked up the room. Oh wow! And well, blood and guts are just yeah. fucking flying. They said the blowhole. Uh, whenever they did it, they actually shot it for nine minutes of the blood coming Damn. out, and you see it as it's kind of like sputtering. Yeah, because they used the last ten seconds of footage because it was the best. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But at least he finally got to see his merman. Yeah. You know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I guess. 
But Sitterson is finally able to bypass the code and open the door in the floor. And just as he and Lynn are about to jump down, a giant fucking tentacle crashes through the ceiling and scoops Lynn up. <laughs> Poor Lynn. Poor Lynn. Sitterson jumps down and as he runs through the halls, he runs into Dana, who immediately stabs him <laughs> yeah. in the gut with the trowel. I love that he's hoofing it. He's yeah. like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. He recognizes her and grabs onto her, begging her to kill Marty with his last dying breath. He falls to the ground dead. Marty gives Dana the gun and she looks contemplatively at Sitterson before following Marty. When he gets stabbed, he holds the knife. Well, you're not supposed <laughs> to pull it out. Well, I know, but it's kind of funny because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it looks like a stage play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, alas. Red streamers come out. <laughs> but they find themselves on a suspended platform with the etchings that we saw filling with blood earlier all around them. Dana points out that there are five of them. When Marty asks what they are, Dana realizes that Marty was right all along. They're them. And this is all part of the ritual. Marty says a ritual sacrifice is just some daggers and cloaks. It's not that complicated. <laughs> and Dana agrees. It is simple. It wasn't just about killing them, but about punishing them too. Marty asks what they're being punished for. And a voice answers from behind them for being young. It's the director played by Sigourney fucking Weaver. Yeah. We love to see it. Yeah, she's the fucking best. And I'm, I I don't want to get crucified here, but she was their second choice. Their first choice was Bruce Campbell. I would have loved that too. Yeah. But I think she does amazingly. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's such a, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you have someone who is like such a big name in the horror oh, genre. Yes. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. But she explains that it's different in every culture, but it always requires at least these five. The whore who is corrupted, she dies first. We see the tablet of a woman coquettishly lowering her clothes, and then we see Jules being killed by Mother Buckner. The athlete, we see the tablet of the figure holding a ball and spear before seeing Kurt smash into the invisible wall. The scholar, we see Holden getting stabbed through the throat. <laughs> this is pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. The fool, the tablet of the figure dancing with the wine, and she eyes Marty. They're all supposed to die next, leaving the virgin to either live or die as fate decides. The director stands in front of a tablet of a very virginal looking woman. Dana's like, virgin? Mm -hmm. And the director tells her, we work with what we have. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed because when she said the fool, Marty was like, come on. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm right oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking rude. Yeah. She says if they're, if they're unable to pull it off, the ancient ones beneath them will rise. They are gods that used to rule the earth. As long as they're satisfied by the sacrifice, they stay below. But every other ritual failed. The ground shakes as she lays it out plainly for Marty. The sun is going to come up in eight minutes. And if he's alive to see it, the world's going to end. <laughs> Marty says that if they really had to kill all his friends to survive, maybe it should end. The director tells him that everyone on the planet will die an agonizing death, including him. He can either die with them or he can die for them, which is a great line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was literally stopping to say that. <laughs> He's like, well, both choices are enticing. <laughs> but in the background, we see Dana raise the gun and point it at Marty's head. The director's eyes shift toward her and Marty turns around. He's like, 
wow. <laughs> and the director tells her she needs to be strong because the entire world is in her hands. Dana apologizes to Marty, but suddenly the fucking werewolf steps out of the shadows behind her. I have just a couple things here. You can see him too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> one of them is very funny to me and cute, and the other one is disgusting. So, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is that I read that whenever Sigourney Weaver got on set, she was like, "Is this the day the werewolf is here?" Oh. Like, she wanted to see this werewolf so badly. And then there's a feature out on the DVD or the Blu-ray where they took a giant cast picture and she's standing next to the werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) It did warm my heart. I love it. What's the disgusting thing? Here's the disgusting thing. (laughs) You see Dana, uh, you know, being all with the gun and everything before she gets bit by the werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon. Oh, God. On commentary, he goes, I've never seen a more beautiful face. I was like, keep it in your pants, Joss. (laughs) You are fucking gross. It's like, you know that there's a microphone there, Right. right? Yeah, you know, we're, we're, right. we're on air. Dude. Yeah, we're filming this. He's like, I so pale. It's like, dude, we are on You're air. On air. <laughs> but I just don't. And that wasn't the first time he said something creepy on commentary. Ew, gross. Scumbag. <laughs> fucking scumbag. <laughs> but she apologized to Marty and Marty's like, I'm sorry, too. As the werewolf bites down on Dana's neck meat, causing her to drop the gun. <laughs> the werewolf's got a thing for the neck me. <laughs> it's the best part. Yeah. Marty Marty and the director fight over the gun. Marty wins and shoots the werewolf in the back until it just goes running up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck this. I love that he ran away. Yeah. They yeah. weren't silver bullets. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I, I was like, man, again, attention it's not to detail. Yeah. yeah. He's like, that just tickles a little yeah. bit. Oh, but. fuck this, man. That neck meat's not even worth it. <laughs> i'll get some up top (laughs) there's a lot up there yeah dana sits up against the stairs covered in blood and the director hits marty and starts whooping his ass (laughs) she sits on top of him on the edge of the platform just beating the shit out of him (laughs) suddenly something walks past dana and she can do nothing but watch and weakly try to call out for marty just as the director raises the gun to shoot marty we see that it's patience buckner she buries her axe in the director's head and Marty just fucking kicks her ass off the platform, <laughs> sending patience with her. I just want to say patience lived up to her name because it took her the entire film to yeah. kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marty walks over to Dana and sits next to her as she muses that she doesn't even think Kurt has a cousin. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Wow. He asks how she's doing and she tells him that she's going away. He apologizes to her, but she apologizes for almost shooting him, but she probably wouldn't have. (laughs) Marty understands and lights a joint and apologizes for letting her get get attacked by a werewolf and then ending the world. (laughs) Not all apologies are equal. Right. (laughs) She hits the joint and tells him that he was right about humanity. It's time to give someone else a chance. Everything starts shaking and Marty muses, giant evil God. (laughs) They both say they wish they could have seen them because this would have made for a fun weekend. (laughs) They huddle together as the room shakes more violently and pieces of ceiling fall down on them. Finally, the ground breaks open and from the outside view of the cabin, we see a giant hand break through it and rise up to the sky. It comes down on us and it fades to black. We get another title card for the cabin in the woods and the credits roll. So what did you guys think of Cabin in the Woods? So watching this movie for the show, I enjoyed it a lot more. Good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that it's horror comedy, Mm -hmm. I do enjoy it. Um, But no, seriously, I did enjoy this movie. Watching it and paying attention 
to all the little things and like the details and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it did make it better and it was more enjoyable and watching it. And like even the, some of the stuff you said, you know, that we didn't know about that's, you know what I mean? You go back and you're like, damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do have a question. Hmm. So everyone else around the world's ritual is different than ours or the same? It's like, the what same was... basic bear. <laughs> yeah, it's the From same. What but, the director said. But, but they... in Japan, they turned the witch or the spirit into That's a frog. That's what they chose. Yeah. They chose that oh, demon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So even in the US, it's not the Buckners every time. But but why did why was it five stereotypes here and then it's just well because a classroom full of kids because in all fairness j-horror is different from american it is. horror uh, that's why she said okay. it's, it's different in other cultures but it's you know it's fucking sacrificing right, your chosen right, yeah. people you know yeah, yeah it's just i think it's just so smart yeah no no yeah that makes that makes sense i just yeah. wanted to make sure that yeah. i wasn't taking it the wrong way but um yeah and it's shit like that that you're like oh man and i'll probably end up wanting to watch it again that way i don't have to take notes or whatever so i can enjoy it Mm -hmm. and you know what i mean just watch it in its entirety it's so funny to me because whenever we said that we were going to cover this film all i remembered about the group's, I guess, reaction to mm-hmm. it was Nay and I loving it so much and you absolutely hating it. <laughs> yeah. And so I got to say, to hear you say that you're planning to watch it again is like the most surprising, <laughs> well, but fantastic thing. Right. It's an intriguing development. Yes, sure. I love it. Well, I guess I was just watching it wrong. You know what I mean? But yeah. now... It happens. Yeah, but now it's like, all right, I, I see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I and I do enjoy it. Or I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I think the thing about it is that it's just such a genius idea mm-hmm. and it doesn't... One thing I do want to kind of point out is that it doesn't really ever make fun of horror. Right. No. It's doing it obviously and very clearly from a place of love. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only people who can make a movie like this are people who love the genre. Mm-hmm. For like, sure. Beyond measure. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's just flat out to me impressive. And you said three days. Three days. Yeah. <laughs> three fucking days. I can't. <laughs> I I love this. It's so much fun. And it's one of those that you notice different stuff every time you watch it. Mm-hmm. This time, for instance, a couple things that really jumped out to me that I didn't really factor or like didn't really hit me before mm-hmm. was literally Mordecai calling Jules a whore. Yes. Yeah. He's like giving away her. No, you're the whore. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, not only was he the harbinger that the group ignored, but Hadley and Sitterson ignored him too. That's true. And he literally says the fool's going to ruin everything. And then the fool ruins everything. And he says the fool. Yes. I was like, whoa, wait, because that scene (laughs) with him, like, am I on speakerphone? It's so fucking funny to me that it didn't fully hit what was being like the rest of the movie being forecast and we're just like, that's funny. Yeah. He's, you know, he's the harbinger. And that's the other thing is that he's whenever, the harbinger period. Yeah, yeah. Whenever they talk about, you know, well, we got to satisfy the customers. We're the customers. Yes. That yeah, was yeah. what I was going to say. We're the fucking ancient ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, I thought about watching it this time, that board of all these like, super ingenious ideas and it's just a zo- it's just zombies again yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like of I all the like things there's yeah. definitely 
commentary there because there's so many genres and subgenres mermen for instance that we could be fucking with but it's zombies again you know what i mean the cool thing is that anybody that is watching the film and they're like oh really a zombie they're like hold on yes once we get to act three yes everything it's gonna blow your tits off but (laughs) they're not zombies yes they're redneck hillbilly <laughs> torture, torture family. Zombie family redneck zombies. torture yeah. family. <laughs> Whatever. Get it right. Yeah. We'd like our wager to count, please. <laughs> <laughs> we want full credit. Yes. But no, I love this movie. I feel like it's it's very smart. It's ve- mm. it's for horror people. Yes. Like I know all horror movies are for horror people, but this one is like, if you're well versed, you're mm. gonna be like, oh, that's from that. That's a nod yeah, to that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just a lot of fun. And it's definitely, I know John Paul rewatchability is a big priority for you. Super high rewatchability. If only if you don't notice anything new to look at those fucking creatures. Yeah. Man. And I mean, when you look at it, even from the script's perspective, when they're in the RV and Marty is spouting off his conspiracy stuff and he says, you know, eventually you'll see things my way. Yeah. They they do. do. And he talks about uh, ending civilization or ending society or something. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very smart. And especially when you're seeing it on subsequent viewings, you're like, fuck it. They were telling us, Mm -hmm. but I guess we can get into ratings. Um, I I just went, I love this movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I feel like I notice something different, like I said, every time I watch it. And it's just, it's so smart. And it does it in such a weird way where all the characters are fucking, you're rooting for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense because Hadley, you want to say Hadley and Sitterson are pieces of shit, but like, are they? Because they're literally trying to keep us alive. Yeah, dude, honestly. (laughs) There's no villain. In reality. Marty's kind of the villain. Like, it's hard to, you know? You know who the villain is? Us. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No, you're right, though. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, we are. It's always been us. Yeah. It's all right. But but, uh, before I have a fucking existential crisis, uh um, (laughs) on a scale from one to 10 creature filled cubes, (laughs) I'm going to give the cabin in the woods. I also always thought it was Cabin in the Woods before we did oh, this yeah. episode. So it's the Cabin yeah. in the Woods. Mandela. Um, Mandela <laughs> effect. Um, I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10 creature-filled cubes. It's not perfect. I'm not going to lie. That bird thing really fucking chaps my ass because <laughs> it's one of those where it's like you... you cut your own throat like yeah. you did that you've been doing so well you fucking killed it man mm-hmm. but other than that I, I this movie's great i will watch it i know john paul's like i might watch it again I, I, will. I will be watching it again <laughs> i love it and it doesn't get old but i will now open up the floor i i agree 100 with everything you said um I split it again into positives and negatives, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> and we're still acknowledging it. Well, still <laughs> give me one more week and I won't do it again. But positives, the concept, the execution, the performances, the humor. Mm-hmm. This movie's genuinely funny. It's funny yeah. as fuck, yeah. The effects and creature design are amazing. The editing probably wouldn't get a lot of shout outs, but it should because it's fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cutting between these pristine 
lab scenes. Yeah. This dingy cabin. And the grimy. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess also the production design. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And now for the negatives. Um, <laughs> the fucking bird. That's it. <laughs> Literally, if you look, I wrote, I wrote that bird. <laughs> that bird is the only thing I can think of. <laughs> I, I just I don't know <laughs> I'm trying to think of another time we've been offended by something so, so small. small it's literally a bird and I think the thing is is that it robs us of such a great moment it yeah, does it, it, that that hurt it a lot for me I'm not yeah. gonna lie and it's like two seconds of the film yeah legitimately that's really <laughs> the only thing I can think of I think they handle everything else so well but that 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 gets me that gets me real bad <laughs> so <laughs> on a scale from one to ten creature filled cubes that bird <laughs> it takes me down to give the cabin in the woods <laughs> nine creature filled cubes out of ten that bird is worth the whole fucking point I can't I can't abide with that bird <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh. jp what did you uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh like i said uh i i did really really like the movie this go around uh i probably will watch it unless i am watching it you with are. your sister so <laughs> yes there you go um but i did enjoy this movie and it does have a lot of rewatchability it is something new for me so i'll have to give it some time mm -hmm. but i do think in time it will be a good movie that is thrown into the rotation to watch more yes um, <laughs> good but don't need to kind of draw it out too long um <laughs> on a scale from one to ten creature filled cubes i'm gonna give the cabin <laughs> in the woods eight creature filled wow. cubes out of 10 very good i i did really like the movie mm -hmm. i did but like i said it's not it's it's gonna be it's it's a new for me movie kind of to that's fair get into yeah. again and whatever but it is a good hated movie it. yeah well yeah because i was like is I, this is <laughs> like, i was what like what is, is happening, happening? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like why are you being silly they're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate The Cabin in the Woods and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at The Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, always trust your gut instinct. If you feel like someone is pulling your strings... They just might be. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that bird. Fuck yeah. that bird. <laughs> Someone put on some Mario Speedwagon. Yeah. <laughs> a very special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huston, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison O'Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, 
Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, and Will Brown. Thank you all so much. Yes. Yeah, thank you all. <laughs> Appreciate you more than Marty and his weed. <laughs> or Hadley and his tequila. That's his lady. That's yeah. his lady. <laughs> but yes, we hope you're all still cabin a great time. <laughs> <laughs> You would. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time.